strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! Gun- All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 97 of Gundam and MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and always I'm uh, joined here with uh, Solbro and Chris. Guys, say hello. Hey. Hey. <laughs> wow. Uh, don't sound too excited or enthusiastic today. But um, regardless of Chris's uh, lack of motivation, we are going to be doing some uh, great stuff for you today. Uh, we're going to have two topics. Uh, first is going to be the first uh, four episodes of generation two of gundam age so um you know for all those uh people that want to um now put the label of classic status of eight of generation one it, you, you're now able to do that since generation two is there so you can t- continue to hate on that and um second topic here is going to be a little bit from the past here uh, it's a older movie uh Venus Wars, and we're not only going to be talking about the movie Venus Wars, but also um, uh, two of the Dark Horse comics that came out, and uh, some of our thoughts and impressions on that. But before we begin, got some uh, news here, uh, and of course you can always put any of your news articles at the news listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forums. Uh, but first thing before I uh, go on to the news, um, I'd guys uh, when you're submitting stuff um, you know try try to keep within what we talk about here I know sometimes there's some things that um, are more encompassing and oh that you might want to put in that's fine but try to you know try to keep other if it's not a video game dealing with a specific mecha genre and if it's not one of these big brand new ones that everybody knows about then that's you know let's just try to keep that out of there also too um, uh, let's try to keep the political uh articles out of here so uh that, that would be nice <laughs> thank you because uh, um i know chris will probably do a uh, political talk at uh mhq one of these times and once as he continues to build his um you know murdoch like uh, podcast empire so um but uh, <laughs> right chris that's part of the your, your overall plan can, there right i can neither confirm nor deny any rumors regarding mhq's future plans at this time thank you okay all right. All right. <laughs> but uh, also, before we begin the news, I just want to very uh, important birthday news stuff. These uh, in in the past in February here, there's two two great Americans had their birthdays. Uh, one was uh, Sir Michael Bay on uh, February 17th of this year, and, and then the Admiral had it on February 24th. And I just want to salute both those men for their great accomplishments. Uh, Sir Bay, I mean, we know what he's done for America, for the world. Um, and then, of course, the Admiral, 
you know he's uh, he's the leader in the robot apocalypse he's going to be the he's going to be the john connor for us all so um just want to and I was actually happy to see, too, that me and uh, Serpe share the same uh, horoscope sign. So that, that's awesome. <laughs> well, if you love him so much, why don't you just marry him? <laughs> the only thing that would have made it better is if he was born on my birthday, my actual day, because I do have the greatest, I have the greatest collection of uh, people on my birthday ever. So, um, <laughs> Dude, you have but, like such incredible man lust for, for Serpe here that it's, uh, it's almost frightening. There's almost nothing frightening. frightening. Nothing frightening about it. I just wanted to, you know, give birthday wishes to both of these men. I salute you. And uh, now, for our first article here, and this comes from uh, one of our resident uh, prisoners of Australia, Bent Noir. And uh, this is coming from the Anime News Network. And this is going to be kind of cool. You can definitely check out the link here. But the, the latest uh, Robot Wars, Super Robot Wars game has got a really cool trailer by uh, singer Ichiro Mizuki. And, uh, you know, some of the titles that are going to be in this, uh, in this upcoming game are going to be, of course, uh, Gundam Double O or Gundam Double Zero. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, new uh, Gigantors in it. Uh, Macross Dynamite 7, Macross Frontier from the movies. Uh, Code Geass, The Lucia, The Rebellion R2, Gurren Lagann, the movie. Um, so definitely for all our Super Robot fans out there, definitely check that out. And thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, I'm glad to see you got your internet privileges back. And <laughs> next one here comes from uh, poster Ace Attorney Gundam. And, hey. uh, you know, there's been a lot of new, some American properties that have been getting some anime treatment like X-Men and Iron Man blah, blah, and uh, stuff like that. But uh, Madhouse Studios is now, uh, says they're going to be making a... A Peanuts anime. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, this is uh, coming from Crunchyroll.com, so um, definitely check that out. They, it's um, they've uh, Peanuts Worldwide LLC has assigned Madhouse as their designated studio for animation production of the Peanuts property. As of yet, there are only two companies with such status. So I don't necessarily think that that might it may not necessarily be an actual anime. It'll probably be one of these situations where they because it wasn't. Um, uh, Soul Bro, wasn't uh, the Boondocks done by um, a Japanese or like Korean studio or something like that? Boondo uh, the Boondocks seasons two and three were in part produced by Madhouse also. Okay. So, yeah. So, it'd probably be something like that then. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think we'll have uh, Big Bug Eyes on Snoopy or Joe. <laughs> but uh, we'll definitely uh, keep that out there for you. And uh, thank you, Mr. Ace Attorney Gundam, for your submission. Next one. Uh, comes from E8 dude, and it's got. He starts off this thing. He's got a uh, um, a little snip at a little snipe here at, at Chris. It says, "Getting closer to Gundam Double Zero." Parentheses, suck it, Chris. And, he, <laughs> and he, he, he wrote it as two zeros instead of or two O's, letter O's instead of zeros. So um, I guess he's uh, just trying to get some get get a little rise out of he, Chris. He's he's so banned he doesn't even know it. Oh man, he was banned yesterday. <laughs> He was, he was banned like five months ago. <laughs> and I'm not going to go too much into this article because it's more like technical stuff, but it is a kind of interesting read. Uh, there's a, uh, it's, uh, a company headquartered in Tokyo is actually got a concept for a project to build a space elevator. And uh, they're looking at a time period around 2050 of completing this. And, um, you know, it's... Um, 
they've been working with some other organizations with the development of it. So it's, it's, it's definitely a cool little thing. I mean, definitely something we might see. Um, we saw, saw in fiction, and, uh, and now we might be seeing it in real life one of these days. So, uh, you know, thank you, Mr. Anidut, for your submission. And, um, you know, you're going to have to change your name after this because uh, Chris will be watching since you've already been banned. So, <laughs> well, if, you know. If you come back after being banned, that's also a banning offense. and we banned again. <laughs> I forget. Sure. The, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's that's very interesting. <laughs> so, but uh, thank you for your submission. And the next one here comes from the Goose, and this is coming from the Anime News Network. And I'm sure this just ah, uh, Chris, I I'm surprised <laughs> it wasn't number one. Uh, the, the title of this article is it's a media factory poll, rich novel, man, manga, do you want animated? And there's about 30, 30 titles here, but uh, coming in at number two, can anyone guess? Chris, you're not allowed. Think Soulbro, can you guess what number two is? I'm surprised it's not number one. What, for, uh, for Gundam novels or uh, the, to be... Just, the, uh, just, just, yeah, just uh, it's the most... Uh, it's it's the uh, what novel anything. or do you want animated? Yeah, it's anything. But yeah, you're on the right track. Tell tell <laughs> me tell me it's not uh, <laughs> tell tell me it's not Crossbone Gun. Oh, but it is <laughs> number two. <laughs> no way. Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam, the greatest awesome. of all the Gundam mangas. Uh, yay, Chris. Crossbone Gundam! Yay, <laughs> oh, amazing! It gets even better. Number four, Hathaway's Flash. So we get to see the idiocy of. Uh, more of Hathaway, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely some uh, some good stuff there. I can't wait. Uh, hopefully, uh, Bandai uses this um, Sunrise uses this as a model for their neck for their anime planning for the next couple of years. Oh, we need Crossbone Gundam, the greatest of all greatest mediocre titles. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, and there's a lot of other uh, you know animes and novels in here, not all mecha related. So definitely check that out. Pretty interesting. Some of the stuff that's out there that people want to see. So um, thank you, Mister the Goose, for your submission there. And next one here comes from uh, Awesome eighty eight, and this is for all the people that love Gundam Wing and love hip hop or rap. Oh uh, God, yeah. not this story. Hey. <laughs> yeah, some guy called Richie Branson. He's an indie hip hop artist, and he's been posting samples of his upcoming mixtape compilation, The Wing Zero EP, on his official YouTube uh, channel. So um, he's going to be. Did you guys listen to this? No. I I did. I, I didn't. I didn't find it all that bad. I I I I I like the production. Um, I think the guy's got pretty good cadence. Um, I I I think it could use some work, but other than that, I I, I didn't exactly. think it was that bad. Huh? Are you Simon, are you Simon Cowell? No, man. But I listen to hip hop. I listen to hip hop, dude. <laughs> I listen to hip hop for like twenty five years. Okay, you don't have to give us this the story. It was a joke, Soul Pro. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> but but, but I, I, I haven't listened to it. Is it awful? Or is it's it just how how's the sampling? Is it just a you know just I, I give the guy um, credit for his passion. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, he also, uh, I guess, in this, it's a, it's a Gundam theme mixtape, and um, he raps about his history as a Gundam Phantom. Actually, wondering if he listens to our show. <laughs> well, he, he sent me an email. So, oh, really? did? Yes, he did. Oh, oh wow. Maybe we Not should. anything special, just a sort of generic, like, you know, press release type thing that could have been CC'd to a bunch of people, so. 
Oh. Not, not anything fancy. Was oh. it, uh, why, why don't you review Zoids? <laughs> 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 Maybe his next song will be about that. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Mr. Awesome78, for your submission here. Uh, next one here comes from uh, Hayaku Shiki, and this is coming from the Anime's New Network. And uh, yeah, this is this is an example of an article that may not be necessarily Gundam or Macross or Mecha related, but it does have some Mecha in it, and it's also a hugely successful game franchise. Uh, you know, Mass Effect. I'm sure we've all heard about it. The game's uh, coming out here shortly, but uh, there's going to be an accompanying manga that's going to be showing up in um, in Japan. So uh, definitely. Uh, Fans of this of the um, of this series, you know, that's something else that might be able to uh, help your enjoyment of the of this franchise. So definitely check that out. And uh, thank you, Mr. Hayaku Shiki, for your submission. And uh, next one here is coming from Vent Noir, and uh, he gives a a link here to uh, the Anime News Network and a opening movie for the Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Full Boost arcade game, uh, there's actually a trailer on there, so you can uh, definitely check that out. So, um, nice. you know, sit there and wish about something that we're not going to ever see here <laughs> in the United States. So, um, whatever. That's fine. Thank you, Mr. Event Noir, again for uh, your submission, and wow, you must really be getting good time there. Uh, time served in Australia for all these posts. Uh, next one here is uh, from our friend Dolo, and this is some legal financial news. Uh, this is also coming from the Anime News Network. Yeah. It looks like the Yu-Gi-Oh! lawsuit has been settled between 4Kids, ADK, and TV Tokyo. So um, looks like uh, some damages were paid, and uh, every, you know, looks like everything's uh, going to go on. On, on its uh, on its merry way there. So, um, I, Chris, did, did, do you, do you know how this would affect you as a fan? It will not affect me at all because I don't give two f's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is, isn't the question we should always ask about legal news is how this will affect us? First? Yes, that is the very first question of um, how will this affect me and um, what excuse can I come up with to not buy this product? <laughs> But uh, while yep. expressing um, outrage and support for the creators at the same time, oh. <laughs> the fundamentals, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So uh, yeah, there's just a you know the same old stuff. People were found at fault. So just uh, you know check it out. I don't think it's really going to make that much of a difference uh, if you're a fan either way. So uh, thank you, Mr. Dillo, for your submission. And the last one here comes from Wielder and. Uh, this is pretty interesting. Um, never it's one of those shows that we haven't uh, <laughs> done yet. And I'm very surprised <laughs> we haven't. But um, mm-hmm. the uh, Full Metal Panic Light novels sell ten, 10 million plus copies. Uh, so, uh, and then there's going to be a spinoff series called Full Metal Panic Another. Uh, it's going to be its third volume is going to be released on March 17th. So, um, you know, I like yeah. to say I would like to say to Mr. Full Metal Panic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not uh, not Shoji Gato, but Mr. Full Metal Panic. Who's that? Mr. Full Metal Panic. Where okay. where is the next season of the anime? Come on, yeah. get on it, Mr. Full Metal Panic. <laughs> I wonder if it's, I wonder what his response will be. We'll see. He's Maybe very, he'll send me an email. He's very reclusive, this Mr. Full Metal Panic. You know, there you he's, go. yeah, he's always. Maybe we need I, to go above his head and talk to Mr. Anime. <laughs> 
And if it's not him, then even higher and go up to Mr. Japan. Mr. <gasps> Mr. Japan, huh? Yes, Mr. Japan. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> you, you, you really want another show, don't you? If you're, if you're willing to take it to Mr. Japan, because you just... Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. One step at a time. One hey, step. you have to climb up Mount Fuji. That's where he sits. I'm willing to full... <laughs> Throw the full force of MHQ behind this and take it all the way up the uh, all the rungs of the ladder and fight my way to the top. There you go. In a tournament format. Oh, like the 36 chambers of Shaolin. <laughs> I was thinking more like Mortal Kombat against increasingly weird people with strange um, appearances and and uh, moves. Oh, you could do Indeed. That. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No problem. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we'll we'll keep you abreast of that uh, that news. The full. F- the full weight and force of MHQ. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> the the full weight and force of being a, a Z-list uh, internet famous person. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, if anyone can do it, it, it it'll be you, Chris. I believe. But um, thank you, uh, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. And thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And if you have anything... You can put it in the news, listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the MechaTalk forum. So, um, guys, anything before we go on to our first topics here? No, I'm ready to roll. Chris, anything? Nope. All right. Well, we'll be coming back in a little bit. Uh, you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal. That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. What's up, Gundam Nation? As you well know, episode 100 is right around the corner. But to make it a Hallmark episode, we'll need your help. Head on over to Gundam.net and find the show notes for this episode are the post titled Episode 100, Listener Participation Project. Once you're there and have read the instructions on what to do, call the number listed in those steps for the Shinjuku Station Special Projects line and leave a message pertaining to one of these two subjects. Shit Gundam listeners say. You like Gundam 00? You know that's just a rip-off of Wing, right? And Season 2? That's just Wing and Zeta. And your favorite Gundam moment. Neo, Chris, and Solbro, congratulations on reaching Episode 100. There's been a lot of great memories, from the G-Savior episode to the Wings of Rean segment. The deadline for submissions is April 1st, 2012. So don't sleep. Head on over to Gundam.net and help make episode 100 of Gundam at MAHQ a memorable one. I can't believe Game & More forgave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. 
Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcast where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. As for sleeping with my wife, the goddamn minivan... you bums listen up we're gonna start talking about some gundam age now in this segment (laughs) so been been a while since our last one and now uh we're gonna jump into generation two of the worst gundam show ever created written or conceived since double o season two but you know with that opening chris i thought you were gonna challenge triple h for the wwe title (laughs) Uh, we'll we'll see the day is young all right you bums So, first we're going to discuss episode 16, The Gundam in the Stable. Mm-hmm. So, some key points here. It's been 25 years since the last episode, and now Flit, the grown-up guy, he's an old man by comparison because he's in his late 30s. He's the commander of Big Ring, which is the command center of the Federation forces we heard about during the first generation. And he's got a family because... He married Emily. Loveless marriage. Oh, boy. And they have two kids, <laughs> his uh, 17-year-old son, Asim, and his younger sister, uh, Unoa. And they all live on uh, this farm on Tordia with uh, old man Vargas, who's now even older man Vargas. Yeah. Oh. He's, got, he's always got food on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> in these 25 years that have passed... Um, the Vagans are still messing around with their weird plans that nobody knows what they are. And they send this kid, Zehart Gallat, to infiltrate Awesome School and try to learn information about, you know, where the Gundam is and blah de blah So we're introduced to Awesome and his friends and uh, his love interest, Romari Stone. And the Vagans launch an attack on the colony and debuting some of their new grunt mobile suits. And Awesome, having been given the age device by Flit is told you should go fight in the Gundam so he jumps into the age one and uh, he beats their asses the end <laughs> right to the point <laughs> so before we get into any discussion about uh, this episode I want to address some very specific points Oh, and that is the <clears throat> over analysis to a ridiculous level of the dinner scene where Flit gives Awesome the age device that uh, has been used to prove definitively for whatever reason that Flit and Emily are in a loveless marriage 
and uh, that he is a Gendo, and that he's just manipulating his son <laughs> into being a Gundam pilot, blah, 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 blah. Or as one person um, put it almost quite like this on MHQ, that uh, Emily is just a, a cum dumpster for Flit. <sighs> he didn't say it quite as salty, pun intended. <laughs> Damn. That, but yeah. So, okay, this is ridiculous. This whole loveless marriage Gendo thing is about as dumb as the whole Suzaku did it. <laughs> a nice years ago. A, a nice callback. Yes. <laughs> which, which is kind of appropriate because uh, Flitz Academy almost reminded me of Asteroid Academy to an extent. <laughs> the, the thing is, yeah. I've noticed that with NECA fans, whenever it's, it's the opposite of Occam's Razor. Whenever yeah. there is a simple, reasonable explanation for anything, anime fans will always search out the most convoluted and senseless one and then cling to that against all other evidence. Because it makes so much more sense to believe that Suzaku stepped completely out of his character and <laughs> killed some innocent girl than it is to believe that psychopath homolust uh, Rolo killed her because she she dared get in the way of him and uh, Lelouch. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is pretty much the continuation of that. Because, you know, you can clearly see this loveless marriage reflected in, in the family dynamic because in this dinner scene, which lasts two minutes but covered the entire dinner, <laughs> we don't see Flit looking at her or talking to her. Now, they're not because they haven't been together for so many years that her being in the room with him is not a normal thing at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's deconstruct this for a minute. Mm-hmm. Although I hate the use the word deconstruct, but let's let's take it apart anyway. Oh, okay, it's losing its meaning like uh, innovative, right? Yes. <laughs> so we we all have uh, you know friends who are in different family situations, and we've all seen that sort of stuff, or you know, so we know when people don't have the, the best of uh, home lives. So let me, put the, let me put this out there, something that no one has ever considered because it makes too much sense, therefore it does not apply to this reverse Occam's razor. If Flit and Emily had a loveless marriage, that would filter down to the way their children act. Yeah. Because their children would be all emo and angsty and moody and jerks. Mm-hmm. And from what we see, it's the exact opposite of that. We see Asim and Unoa are completely normal, well-adjusted children, which is a rarity for Gundam. And we don't see any sort of negative quality like that in Asim. He doesn't resent his dad. He doesn't hate him. In fact, he goes out of his way to try to impress him, which is totally the opposite of a Gendo, where you have Gendo who completely abhors his own son and detests him and spends all of his time obsessing over a lolly clone of his dead wife. <laughs> How is that, uh, you know, him being a Gendo? And yes, he does give him the age device, and you do see Emily give off like a little, a little sigh of regret over that. Mm-hmm. But from everything we've seen up to this point through this episode, and even like the little clips in the end sequence, you really get the impression that Flit has gone out of his way to give Asim the normal childhood that he could never have. Absolutely. So, given all that in mind, and given that what he knows about the Vegans, you know, he's passing this duty on to his son, but he's let him have that normal childhood. He's giving to him at 17, 
when he himself was out fighting in the front lines at age 14. Mm-hmm. And before that, working on the Gundam from age 7 up. Yeah. So this is not a Gendo situation. And a lot happens in 25 years. Yes, we didn't get much of a buildup of uh, the romance between Emily and Flit, but they're both kids. He had a crush on Urine. She got blown away. He's mm-hmm. pissed off. Which brings me to another point. People keep talking about this girl that, you know, he just settled for second best because he loved you, blah, 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 blah. Okay, he had a little crush on her because that's what you would expect a 14-year-old to have. Right. But we have not seen any scenes like where he's in bed with Emily at night and he wakes up screaming Urin's name. (laughs) If we did, then we would have uh, a point here about it being a loveless marriage. We have not seen him say her name. We have not seen him think about her longingly. We have not seen him do any of that. And what people always forget about this when making this argument is Flit has plenty of reasons to hate the Vegans aside from urine. From the first frame of the show. From the first frame of the show. <laughs> they killed his mother in front of him. They destroyed his childhood home. Then they destroyed Nora. They're the cause of Bruiser's death, his, his guardian. They killed um, Voyage. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they did all of this stuff. And yes, they did. urine was just the, the icing on the cake. But there is way more that they did to him than just her. I guess they expect uh, him to be in a state of arrested development, like, kind of like uh, Amaro. <laughs> but he's not know. Amaro. <laughs> ever, ever since, you know, the, that promotional image appeared of, you know, adult flit with the trench coat and Asim and Zehart, people have mm-hmm. just been trying to force this thing of, you know, loveless marriage. Asim resents his dad. Flit is a gendo. And they're just trying so hard to force this onto it when the show does the exact opposite. And goes to great pains to show the opposite. Exactly. So that, that being said, and that stupidity out of the way now, what did you guys think of episode 16 and the kickoff of the second generation? Well, it was a loveless marriage. You could tell. <laughs> Thank you. No. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a good episode. Um, you know, it, of course, like you stated, we didn't get the great buildup or the big synopsis of what's happened the last... 25 years but we, we get little things in between um you know comments that are made especially with flit with uh, his little um uh, his little barista there um <laughs> at the beginning you know some things like that but we you know uh, we're getting a, a little bit about um awesome and we see that you know he's uh just a regular 17 year old kid at school uh he's in the mobile suit club and he's got you know his two goofy uh two goofy friends that are in it with them and you know so it it, it seems speaking of which oh, uh, no. we have a very important task that we have to tend to here why we have to we have to uh, anoint Solbro's man for generation two and uh, I will offer up Masiel that's the, the kid the green haired yeah. kid with the glasses yeah who yeah, of course. is cowering behind Another coward when they're both being bullied by some punks at the beginning of the episode. That yeah. just screams Sobro's man from the get-go. Oh, yeah, yes, it I, is true. Yeah, and, I mean he they follow and he follows in the, the steps of all the previous Sobro's men, DK and and you know, <laughs> uh, what, what was it? The kid from uh, Frontier. God, what was that kid's name? I yeah. I always forget his name. Luca. Uh, Luca. Luca and Cy Argyle and Cy Argyle and, 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 and the like. Huh? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, so Masiel, welcome to the club. It's, but the, but it's this, mediocrity. The, the, this was a this was a new change, though. The fact that you would hide behind another coward. That was. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was, that was quintessentially <laughs> Solbro's man. He he looks like he looks like Flit's uh, bastard child. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's got the spiky green hair. The son that Wait, just wasn't good like, enough. Wait a second. Love, love was marriage, remember. Oh, God. It, 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 now it all makes sense. Now I understand. How could I have been so blind? The rejected, I, recant, I recant everything I just said. The rejected is, character design for age two. That's the, uh, that's the twist for generation two. Oh, it, he's actually his son. Oh, um, God. No, but it, it was good. I, I mean, it, you know, um, it was just more or less just kind of a setup episode. Uh, a transitional you know. episode? Oh, shut yeah. up. <laughs> in, in the actual sense of the word. Yeah. It, it I suppose was. so. Yeah. It was, uh, if used properly, that word. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was good, not great. I would give it a, a three and a half on the old MHQ scale. Uh, but definitely... Um, how many uh, Generation 1 DKs do you give it? Oh. <laughs> How many DK toys? Three and a half DKs. Okay. Uh, Solbro, your, your comments on uh, this episode, especially your new man. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. It was a great introductory episode. Uh, it, 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 it pretty much moves at a pretty quick pace. We get to see Flit pretty much almost right off the bat um, as he's uh, running the big ring. And um, then we cut to his son, who's, uh, who kicks ass, man. To me, uh, awesome. Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> to, me, to me, awesome is awesome. You go. There you go. You, can, you, you might can... say he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, uh, it, it hits the ground running with him, and then you get to see a glimpse of his family life. And I never got the, uh, as, as Chris had uh, delved into, uh, I never for once got the um, the idea that his family was, uh, uh, his 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 mother and father were 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 distant or or um, you know were in a, a cold, lifeless relationship. It's just that he it, Flit had a moment to come home to see his family, and he looked forward to it. Uh, you know, if he didn't give a damn, if he didn't want to see his wife or his family, he would have just stayed where he was at the big ring. So I don't know. Well, um, and, and everyone was shocked that he came came home because, uh, well, he's got this like really super important job. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that you know, say uh, the, the commander of um, you know, say CENTCOM or some major U.S. command, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, just can't get away at a moment's notice to be with their family, no matter how much they may want to. Yeah, yeah they're not. <laughs> they're, 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 pr- they're probably not always um, doing uh, uh, dinner. Every night at home, right? Yeah, you know, maybe possibly, if, but if the if the family doesn't want to move to Washington, yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and when he can get away, he's not going to advertise it to everyone. He's just going to go. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it's it's kind of at a, a drop of the moment's notice. It's but, a uh, job that never stops, and you can't stay away from. No matter how much technology you have, you kind of got to be doing it. Exactly. So, so but, it's a little lack of understanding there on people's parts. I could still see that they had a connection, though. Everybody in the family, his sister was pretty much, you know, teasing him. And uh, his dad, you know, to uh, flit, uh, he... Uh, you know, he still had that rapport with his son and gave him the, the, the family heirloom, which I, I guess the aged, aged uh, activation device is now. But, um, you know, I, it was it was a pretty good introduction. I love the fact that uh, Awesome seemed to be 
um, Nala's were mobile suits from the get go, even though it was kind of awkward him piloting the. Uh, well, look the who his dad is. I mean, come one. on, yeah. that's just kind of a given. <laughs> but I mean, they also they also throw in the fact, kind of like Camille, that he was part of a mobile suit club um, from the from the get go too. So when he got into the suit, and champ, yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, just call him Little Hugh Jackman, but. <laughs> Uh, with his with his rock'em sock'em robot but um when he got into the age one and was dual wielding with swords man it's like yo uh you 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 you're a step above your father when he first got into it so that congratulations but uh it, i thought it was a solid no uh, his pappy did that that nasty little beam shank first time out yeah he did have he, he did. was he was a little undercut with that beam shank no pun intended but <laughs> but um yeah i think awesome fared pretty well especially against two suits much like uh Amuro did at the beginning of uh mobile suit gundam when he was up against the two two zakus it was a nice little callback to that too but um yeah i i i thought it was a solid introductory episode and uh i give it three three point five uh uh used depends all right <laughs> so what caught me is interesting uh obviously when it was announced but also when i heard it that um you know the narrator of the series that we've had all along mm-hmm. is Adult Flit. Yeah, oh. same voice actor who incidentally incidentally played Jared and Zeta. Oh Jesus! <laughs> which is <laughs> couldn't, which, couldn't win. Think, now he wins. You know, <laughs> which I think is there's a little callback to that in um, the ending sequence. Those uh, snapshots of you know, Flit and Awesome growing up. There's mm-hmm. a picture where a younger Flit, Sans um, goatee and mustache, is wearing a dark blue pilot suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, hmm, that's a little, little Titans looking there. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> or Titans. So that's kind of interesting. And, you know, you watch this episode, you feel like you're watching the first episode of a brand new show. Mm-hmm. As everything's being laid out, but then you remember, like, no, I've got all of this backstory of this entire 15-episode arc that precedes us. So that's kind of a weird feeling to get used to. Exactly. Yeah. Also, the feeling of, you know, Flit went from being uh, this little kid in one episode to now this much older man in the very next episode. And we've never seen a Gundam pilot age that much. I mean, you had Amuro age a few years from original to Zeta, and then again... To charge counterattack, we had Setsuna age a little bit double O, but those are just small single-digit numbers, not this huge jump that we have with Flit. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. kid, kid, kid to grown man. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, in between. <laughs> and then on top of that, we go for the concept of in the in the last episode, the age was this state-of-the-art, ultra-advanced new mobile suit, and then the very next week, it's 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's you true. know at least. In Double O, when you had the thing of Pirate Exia showing up at the beginning of the horrible second season, mm-hmm. we had a six-month broadcast gap to kind of give you that idea like, yeah, it's getting kind of old now. And there's all these new mobile suits that are outpacing it. But in this, it's one week to the next. New, old. Yeah, you, the, you felt the passage of time at least a little bit with Double O. Yeah, so it's an interesting little, little thing to get used to. Uh, again, you know, I didn't see any problem with their family life. Kids normal. I mean, looking at so far, Awesome is probably one of the most normal, well-adjusted kids we've had as a starter Gundam pilot since maybe I don't know Loran. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know anything about his parents, but you know, he's he's a nice kid. You know, very well-adjusted. A little, little too submissive, but uh, <laughs> <it's> neither here <laughs> nor there. It's very so, centered. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting change from you know Gundam pilots who have had their parents killed, almost everyone. 
mm-hmm. or in some cases have killed their own parents. Ooh, oops. <laughs> Oops, Setsuna. Yeah. So this is a nice nice change from that. And of course, we've got this whole little subplot here of Zehart as a vegan infiltrator moving into Awesome's school. Which brings us to the next episode, oh. number 17, Friendship, Love, and Mobile Suits. So a few points here. We've got Awesome and his two loser friends getting ready for the mobile suit competition. And Zehart decides to infiltrate because his lackey Daz, who basically looks like a, a low rent Wolverine, yeah, <laughs> Space Logan, a really, 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 low rent. really yeah. low rent Wolverine, the <laughs> lowest rent Section Eight housing Wolverine that you could possibly find. Definitely. So I'm going to call him the Section Eight Wolverine now. Section Eight. <laughs> <laughs> is saying that they've narrowed down the location of the Gundam to the Asuno mansion, but it has very strict security, which apparently, you know, I didn't see it. It must just be those two farmhands that hang out with Vargas. That must be the very strict security. <laughs> well, you know, the the vegans are a little weird, so maybe maybe they, they, they are, are a little they are a little weird. They're <laughs> like, oh my god. These two, the, these two yokels on the thing, and, and, an, old man, and an old man that's got, a, got his dinner on his face and always is falling asleep. Is uh, that's the security system? Oh. Watch, watch out for that sprinkler system. Yeah. <laughs> so, Zehart didn't decides. have a dog. It would have been impenetrable. Impenetrable. Gundam dog. Fort Knox up in there. So Zehart uh, joins the Mobile Suit Club so he can get some information and go scope out the house and all that. We've also got this chick, Romari Stone, who uh, is hanging out now because Asim rescued her in the last episode from uh, falling down on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's clearly got, got a little, little crush now on Awesome. And uh, the note to the creators of age, there is absolutely no subtlety here in the genealogy of anything. <laughs> yeah. Because... You you look at uh, Awesome mm-hmm. and his his appearance, his hair color, all of that. It is ridiculously obvious who his mother was going to be long before we ever saw him. Absolutely. And now that we started age two and we see Romari Stone, you look at uh, the next kid, Keo. He looks exactly like her. <laughs> he looks more like her than Awesome looks like Emily. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> So it kind of kills a little bit of the romantic intrigue, and I wish that Bandai had not shown off all three kids at the very beginning when they announced the series. Mm. You know, they had just shown young Flit and kind of kept it a mystery. I mean, they kept it a mystery of what the Gundams look like. Couldn't yeah. they have done that with the main characters, too? They could have kept the other two in silhouette or something. Exactly. So, mm. yeah, that little, little mistake on their part, but, you know, I guess they're not used to this three-generation concept yet. <laughs> So the mobile suit contest is getting ready to happen, and they're all excited. And, you know, Asim is cranking out those wins. But then Zehart slips out because they're going to go attack Flit's mansion since uh, he did a little recon mission there of, hey, let's check out your dad's library. I'm sure it's got nice information on mobile suits. (laughs) And he found the Gundam. So apparently this strict security is that uh, this uh, Section 8 Wolverine can drive through the whole colony with a mobile suit trailer that has a vegan mobile suit's feet sticking out of it (laughs) that no one notices the whole time he's driving. He can pull up right next to Flit's house, the commander 
of Big Ring and get into his mobile suit before anyone else is like, hey, what's going on there? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. another note to the creators. Um, you know, let's not make it so stupid. Because <laughs> it, 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 I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, wait a second. This guy's driving down the freeway with a freaking mobile suit hanging. And it's like not even one of these situations where they'll, they'll cover them. You know, we've seen in, in previous <laughs> yeah, shows it's where it's like completely covered. It's just covered. a tarp yeah. that's flapping oh, yeah. in the wind, and you can see the feet sticking out. Yeah, I mean, all it, <laughs> all it needed to be was blue, and it would have been just a FEMA tarp. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting here, and, and you're right. They drive up to the commander of Big Ring, like no problem. I mean, it, it, it's yeah, where's it's that like, tight security? <laughs> it's like you said before. I'm sure if you drive up to the commander of CENTCOM or the, the the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff's house in a big truck, I'm sure there's people watching. Dude, if you look, you 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 move an inch too far in the wrong direction towards that fence, around, that gate around the White House. Oh, you're done. You got, you got a bunch of guys on you. Yeah. You 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 have bad Mexican food and fart wrong, and it sets off those uh, those uh, those smell detectors around the White House. You're done. Rotten <laughs> to you, dude. And so. yeah. Uh, little, yeah. little lack of logical consistency here. Yes. And then apparently this Section 8 Wolverine, he also went to uh, University of Phoenix Mobile Suit Piloting School. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> because he's standing there in this Dorado. He's getting completely outwitted by an old man and two farm yokels driving around in a Jeep with a bazooka. <laughs> I made, made those guys in um, Igloo proud. <laughs> I'm, sure they, I'm sure it does. They looked on him after for the afterlife, <laughs> applauding. They looked down in in, 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 in reverence. Oh, oh man, somebody could actually do it. An old, an old, an old guy with last night's dinner on his face and two yokels. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it's done, son. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, my. It was a little silly. <laughs> so, so then, uh, Asim shows up, hops into the Gundam. He he spanks. Uh, low-rent Wolverine, <laughs> and uh, briefly fights the ZSR, which is, of course, being piloted by Zahart. And Zahart starts to wonder, hmm, I wonder if Awesome is the pilot of the Gundam. Oh, oh you think, genius? <laughs> What's his last name? What's the commander's last name? <laughs> what, did, what did the commander pilot uh, 25 years ago? The age? <laughs> you can only wonder. Regular, re- regular Sherlock Holmes there, Z-Hart. <laughs> yeah. putting, putting dots together. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that, that brings it an end like to this It was like CSI kind of age. <laughs> I guess so. What, what did you guys think about this episode, uh, Soul Bro? Um, I, I, I will say this. They, they took a hearty advantage of the musical montage this episode. Yes, they did. <laughs> It's always good to see that. Uh, of course, uh, the, they had to feature uh, an insert song, but um, it was it was as good. long as the montage is not like Stardust the Memories. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh that my god! That's not how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All the way down to the song, just done wrong. But uh, <laughs> in this episode, it worked to full effect because I mean they have to kind of shortcut a lot of stuff to build up. Uh, the history between um all the all the new characters in here, and it, it's good to see um. Awesome and uh, uh, Zehart, that's right. Uh, our, our 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 rival actually get to know each other before they become, you know, set a, set against each other. 
So um, I, that's that's pretty cool to see that play out, and for you know for for uh, Zihar to let his uh, I guess a little bit of his guard down too, um, when he joins uh, when he forces himself to join the club in order to get intel on on Awesome, um, just that that whole aspect of the episode intrigued me, and then the, of course the fight at the end, as silly as that was, <laughs> with them throwing throwing rocks pretty much at a mobile suit with those missiles and whatnot, and um. Low rent Wolverine not being able to to, to to stomp these guys into the ground is just just hilarious to me. But At low rent Wolverine, Section Eight Wolverine, Section Eight Wolverine. I I want to call him Space Logan, but I'll call him Section Eight Wolverine. But um, it, it, all in all, it was it was it was a good episode. I I'd have to give it three stars. Yeah, I'd right. probably I'd, I'd probably put it in the same thing. And you know, of course, like we said, um, you know, the the whole thing with with driving the mobile suit through town that 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 really kind of lost it for me. <laughs> <laughs> just like Jesus, this is so stupid. But yeah, it was um, you know it, it was a it was a good episode. You you get to see the developing relationship. You can see that uh, awesome is you know he's just a you know he's just a regular kid and he really likes Z-Hard. and you know because they they seem to have you know of course mobile suits in common and and he really thinks of him as a friend and we and we can also see with Z-Hard, he's starting to kind of. You know, and, and we'll see in later episodes, he's starting to, uh, you know, kind of wonder, um, you know, I really do care for this guy. You know, he is my friend, but, you know, I have this dumb uh, mess- uh, mission that's been sent to me by these weird hooded guys. So whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, definitely a good episode. And um, I guess that would take us to the next one. Right, Chris? Well, I would like to comment on this episode. Oh, uh, I, would, go I, ahead. I would hope he would. <laughs> I gave it a three and a half. It's got some interesting elements balanced out by the stupid elements, the, the aforementioned <laughs> mobile suit battle and all of the surrounding things about it. Uh, what's interesting to me is that you see this establishment of this relationship between Asim and Zehart. And Zehart, uh, he's being, being kind of sundere about this whole situation because he finds himself becoming friends with Asim and enjoying the things he's doing even though he's like no I'm a warrior I must remember my mission and my people blah 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 I'm too hard for this <laughs> he's, he's trying he's trying really hard to convince himself that he's you know the, the lone warrior on the secret mission and he doesn't enjoy at all what he's doing mm-hmm. yeah not it's not fun no, no fun at all at that school no <laughs> he's he's trying really hard to convince himself of this and not doing a very good job convincing himself of this and, and, and it's like man this this is this is what it's like to be a normal kid that's not you know stuck in cold sleep with all these weirdos in space yeah all these space weirdos <laughs> so I, I like that aspect in the establishment of their friendship and you know you got this this girl Romari hanging around hanging around more and I guess she's kind of a popular girl and you know these losers from the mobile suit club are surprised that she's hanging out with them and with awesome oh, and all yeah. that stuff so Silver's that's man. Oh, yeah. he, he was going completely goofy on it my god just like so, so, man would soak it in because we only get one more episode with that guy <laughs> or so you think oh let's hope So that brings us to episode 18, Graduation Ceremony Battle, which mm-hmm. has an interesting one and a half year time skip from the last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure does. <laughs> My God. Let's address that first because, you know, they got to speed this story along. So we've now jumped to Awesome and all these kids. They're now about to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it starts off in a very interesting little scene where Awesome 
they're out in space doing a little spacewalk, kind of like uh, dumbass Saji did in Double O. Mm-hmm. And this fat bully from the first episode of this generation, <laughs> he got stranded out there. So Awesome risks himself to save this kid. And Sobro's man says to him, hey, why did you save him? He's been so mean to us for so long. Sobro's man. <laughs> and Awesome says something very interesting that I think is sort of like the defining point of his character. He says, you know, I can't, I can't uh, not rescue someone that I know I can save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, no, that's, gonna... that's an ideal that is very much in the spirit of his father. And it's probably going to be an ideal that's going to bite him in the ass later on. Yes. He's so battle. <laughs> Which is why they're establishing that now, I think, yeah. because he, he wants to be a savior just like his dad is. And we saw how well that worked out for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that and I was like, oh, yeah, he's so much like your dad. <laughs> so. so we then go to, yay, graduation time. Everyone's so happy. And then a couple of uh, jerk MPs bust in in the middle of the graduation ceremony. Oh, no. To arrest Zehar on accusations that uh, he's a spy and possibly a vegan. Hey, where were they, where were they at uh, uh, a year and a half ago? <laughs> yeah, well, I raised this point in my review, and there's two, two things here. Number one, uh, how crappy of a spy is Zehar that uh, he left a trailer could be found? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And number two, how incompetent is the EFF that it took them a year and a half to figure that out? (laughs) The conclusion being, they both suck at what they do. Yeah. Because also, you know, like when police do arrests, what makes more sense? To bust into some situation that has a huge crowd of people that you cannot control with three guys. Or maybe wait until, you know, this kid runs out to the bathroom and grab him there. No kidding. Instead of making a scene. Instead of making a scene. (laughs) Jesus. Well, we, we, we know how well the uh, Federation is. <laughs> yes, clearly uh, they, they got their policing degrees from the University of Phoenix as well. <laughs> they went to that police school, and they obviously did not pay attention to Professor Bato's lectures. No, in, the future, they run, in the future, they run every college. <laughs> yes. <laughs> University of Space Phoenix. Awesome. So we've got the situation now. And Awesome, of course, he's shocked. He can't believe that his friend is like this, yada, yada. He doesn't buy it. And Section 8 Wolverine comes in, and he starts shooting up the place, and he grabs Romani the hostage before he runs away. So what I would ask myself is, before all of the shooting and this whole situation, didn't anyone find it odd that this creepy-looking Section 8 Wolverine was just hanging out in this crowd with a bunch of kids? Yeah. (laughs) Just standing there? Nobody noticed this? Well, the, maybe, the, what, maybe, maybe maybe he went under the, the disguise as uh, the assistant football coach there. I, I'm a little fuzzy on <laughs> not that. Even, uh, uh, not even gonna <laughs> respond to that. I, I'm fuzzy <laughs> on the uh, on the crowd. The were there parents in the crowd too, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I but, mean, but, I, he, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a creepy looking guy who clearly is not the parent of anybody. So he, he could, if someone asked, he could say he's uh, Zahart's guardian, which I guess, it, in, I mean, he'd be lying, but you know, <laughs> you know. The, uh, anyway, I, yeah. So. He runs off, and the uh, the incompetent MPs they chase him to the forest, but too late because he jumps into his Dorado and starts, you know, making a mess of stuff. And Zehart he jumps into the ZSR, and they go and attack stuff. And uh, Awesome is fighting them off. And shocking revelation: oh. the ZSR pilot is Zehart, and he is in fact a vegan. Oh. And Awesome can't accept this. 
because it's uh, awesome. He's a meat eater. <laughs> and uh, Romari witnesses as well this shocking revelation, and we see we see Zehart get the better of Awesome in the battle and knock him down with the traditional like sword at the neck. Right. Yeah, tells him like, "Hey, you're you're too kind-hearted to be fighting, so you should get out of here." And then he storms off. <laughs> get out of here! Get out of here! You bother me. <laughs> get, get out! Get out of here with the the super secret. Uh, mobile suit that my people are trying to destroy. <laughs> but I'll let you go. But I'll let you go. Because I know you'll listen to me and you'll just give up, right? Yes. No. So, Neil, your comments on this episode? Uh, <laughs> it was good, but yeah, once again, uh, the whole thing with um, trying to get Z-Hard with the MPs. I, I don't know if it's just a lack of, you know, with the storytelling or it's just uh, showing that these guys at the um, at the Earth Federation are just completely incompetent, and um, but yeah, it was um, you know it was a good episode. It was it was a little weird to go two episodes prior having a twenty five year uh, time skip, and then all of a sudden it's like it's a year later, and now I'm getting gra- now it's graduation. That was a little bizarre, but you know nothing that I couldn't handle. And, um, you know, of course, all the revelations going into place here with, uh, with Flit and with Romari and even Z-Hard. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty solid episode. Uh, I'd give it about a three and a half. Okay. So, bro? Well, I, I, I thought it was a really good episode, too. Uh, the, the, I, I thought it was pretty clever that they did show all those photos on the wall, I guess, of all their hijinks and adventures uh, <laughs> between Romari and, um, uh, Z-Hart and uh, Awesome when uh, they were, uh, I guess, during the time that we didn't get to see, that they got to spend together. Um, the the whole overdramatic thing at the, at, the, at, the, at the graduation, it was cool, but at the same time, why would these, I guess, why would these, uh, these, these Federation officers, officers debrief or, or brief uh, <laughs> Awesome about the situation with uh, Zahart right there in front of everybody. It's like it's just some punk kid. They'd be yeah. like, dude, like, hey, kid, get the fuck out of the way. I was like, dude, get get going. We got to take this guy in. You know, there's no explanation. It's like, look, he's a suspected terrorist. We don't got time to waste. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. And, and and to answer, like, if anyone has a criticism of what the MP did of, like, you know, grabbing Awesome and squeezing him by the by the wrist, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think those MPs neither know nor care who Awesome is. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably, that's true. And if if they did know, they probably still wouldn't care. Yeah, because <laughs> even 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 if Flit, even if he is the son of Flit, Flit, I don't think is the highest ranking dude in the military. I'm sure there's other cats even at if, the top. Even that if are he more was, mm-hmm. which he's pretty near the top, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think those guys would give a rat's ass about it. <laughs> pretty much, the Federation yeah. is so disjointed and so unorganized anyway that you know it didn't surprise me that they would they would act in 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 such a foolish manner. But you know it's it's, it's Gundam age. The, the Federation is total crap in this show. <laughs> Gundam. Usually, usually all federations are total crap. In, these <laughs> in, the, in this show, especially show. So, but um, yeah. I, I, when it when it came down to uh, the big reveal of uh, 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 Zehart uh, being the pilot of the um, of the enemy suit to uh, to awesome, I thought that was uh, done well. I thought it was really done well, and I, the heart to heart they had, especially where you can see that Zehart is really torn about what he has to do versus what he wants to do. And, um, you know, he, 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 to- he tells, uh, 
he tells awesome that you know you're not suited to be a pilot but at the same time you know doesn't want to put uh, harm him and 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 ruin his life so it, it, it's cool he showed uh, re, uh restraint and left but um overall it's a, a good episode i've got to add that uh awesome has got a little bit of a uh i'd say he has more of a hero streak than his dad to me he's he's, he's starting to be more like steve rogers in the show <laughs> When he saved that guy at the beginning, the fat bully, um, he's he's got a little bit of a Captain America streak in him. I don't I don't know where that's uh, how much trouble that's going to get him in, but um, a lot. I, I'm sure it will. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to call him Captain Gundam from now on. But um, I I, I have to give it a, a three a three and a half out of five myself. Well, a couple of points. Uh, one, we see the not too impressive combat debut of the Adele, which is not a British R&B singer, but rather a <laughs> cheap mass-produced version of the age one yeah we also see the appearance of a certain white mobile suit mm. with a certain flashy pirate pirate's right <laughs> pilot <laughs> okay that would have been interesting but that's uh, st- he's got those sideburns you almost would think he would be <laughs> he's got those logan sideburns sure does so what i liked about this episode is the uh the betrayal and just before then, when they're still in the high school, and there's all this confusion that Zehart, he walks up to Asim and he says, like, hey, you never thought to doubt me? Why? And Asim just answers so simply, because we're friends, aren't we? Why, why would I? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, it's, it's sort of a little bit of naivete, but also trust, because he's known this kid for a year and a half and just could not ever conceive in his head that he is a vegan spy, even though that's precisely what he is. <laughs> exactly. So that also makes the shock when it turns out that it's true, even more hitting, even more hard hitting. Yeah. It's, it's a good life lesson for awesome. Most definitely. And of course we can see that Zinhart is conflicted about this because their whole mission has been to capture or destroy the Gundam. And yet, even though he beats awesome down, he Can't leaves. Yeah, he can't, he, do can't it. Bring, he can't bring himself to do it. So, you know, again, he's trying very hard to convince himself that he's Mr. Tough Warrior Guy, but he's not fooling anyone, at least of all himself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but you're seeing you're seeing the flaws in both these guys. Like, you know, awesome. He's just gonna the whole. I, I if I can save somebody, I'm gonna going to. That's just gonna kiss kick him in the ass. And we see that, um, you know, Z hard. The fact that he's so conflicted when it comes to um, comes to awesome, I almost call him Flit. Um, <laughs> that um, you know, it's clouding his judgment. It's like you said. I mean, he had the Gundam right there. He had him disarmed. He had him. He had the beam saver at his throat. All he has to do is just press, go forward, and yeah. But he just can't do it. So I would have to say then. Well, I hate that to make this comparison, but. Oh. Uh, Oh, the character dynamic right now in the next few episodes between Zehart oh, and Oh, are you going to say it? Oh, yes, no. I'm going to say it. I'm oh, going to say it. it. No. I'm going to say it. Oh. it it's, it's somewhat reminiscent of early seed Athrun and Kira. Oh. Because yeah, before, before they became bloodthirsty maniacs, both trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. you know, you always had Athrun telling Kira like oh you're a nice guy you don't belong in the battlefield get out of here this is not your place you know join me or leave and he couldn't even though the the strike was his enemy like he would always do stuff like deliberately avoid hitting it and you know he was trying his hardest to 
be soft on Kira, yet also convince himself, I'm the tough warrior on my, you know, justified battle and blah, blah, blah. And he wasn't fooling anyone either. <laughs> and, and, and I'm wondering, just like in that show, is it going to take um, their friends getting is, is Section 8 Wasted. Wolf have to die? <laughs> Pussy hearts get serious and is, uh, you know, someone you, who we have not gotten to yet yeah. have to die for Austin to get serious. Yes, I think it will. Oh, yeah, I, I, th- I think I think that that's the case. But, um, well, that, you know, that, that, it, it, no, it, it's a good comparison. But, you know, yeah. also, um, at least it wasn't that other show. Yeah, I saw some complaints about how we had this time skip and there was not much development about, you know, the relationship between Zehart and Asim and Romari. But given this three generation setup, you have limited time to tell this stuff. And it's kind of a situation where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if they spent, say, five episodes on this subject instead of three, and people complain that it's a high school drama and it's too slow and nothing is happening. But then if you do the three that they did, they complain that uh, it's going too fast. It's pretty similar to uh, way back when when we were discussing the worst Gundam ever before this one, 00 Season 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember all the complaining about the forced relationship between Lock on Mark II and Anu? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we'd seen for 10 episodes, the two of them, you know, batting eyelashes at each other and flirting, and you could see that they were going in that direction. Then we had that two-month time skip after the thing with the space elevator, and then we see they've hooked up. Well, right. we, saw, we saw the trajectory that that was going, and then we saw the result. We didn't have to see every minute of it. No, we did not. And I, and I said the same thing there. You know, if they had spent more time... And people would complain that it's filler and distraction from the real story. Exactly. But then since they spent the amount of time they did, the complaint was it's too fast-paced and forced. I mean, they should, so, be used, they should be used to time jumps by now. I mean, we jumped 25 years. What's another year and a half? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I mean, we don't know how many episodes Asim's arc will be, but we're already down five. So mm-hmm. I can't expect maybe more than another 10 or 11. Yeah, I mean, you, know, the, you gotta you gotta move things along because we're now three episodes in. We haven't even seen the age two yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many late nights at the mobile suit hangar are we gonna have to see to get you know, or <laughs> or you know, some silly thing where they're washing the mobile suit before the, the or, competition, or they're walking through you know the amusement park with Romario or whatever. Those yeah. montages we got in both episodes, they do that job for us. That's what the whole point of that picture board was. It's little. It's a little narrative shortcut mm-hmm. to show you these people are friends and that they all care about each other without yeah. having to go into the minutia of being a slice of life show in a setting where they don't have the time to do that. Yeah. So that brings us to episode 19, Asim's Departure, oh, oh. where we cut to now he's um, at the graduation ceremony as a new enlistee of the Earth Federation forces with a speech given by some presumably important boring old guy <laughs> followed by Flit's first appearance in a while and uh, Asim tries to talk to him but Flit doesn't hear him and then he runs off with his barista which I'm sure is more evidence of Gendo yeah of course <laughs> yeah so, because it was so loud there and he couldn't hear him he's, yeah in his crowd of hundreds of people yeah and he's you know super famous uh, commander this, that yeah, yeah. That's yes. got all this brass around him. So, so uh, surprise, we find out that Romari has joined the Federation as well. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Shocking. About it. Yeah. <laughs> Who couldn't have seen that happening? 
<laughs> I thought she was going to go to fashion design school. Well, you know, <laughs> some some people are meant for different destinies. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Oh. So we see here that uh, after Asim says his goodbye to his family, he goes over to the spaceport and, oh, look w- look what ship happens to be there. It's the good old diva. No way. Jumping on a diva. And I, <laughs> I guess they decided to just keep the ship in white base mode permanently. Finally. It, it, worked, it worked so well. <laughs> just keep it this way. <laughs> and uh, he has a rather odd encounter with a strange green-haired girl. Oh, no. Who is the, the progeny of a certain boy with uh, certain digestive problems. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about uh, Arissa Gunhale, who is the, the daughter of DK. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, awesome. Uh, you know, my dad and your dad were friends, so we should be friends, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Which... Yeah, they're such friends that, you know, their kids have never met before now. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I thought the same like, thing. I'm like, like such good friends that... What? You know, because I, I have friends who have been lifelong friends because their parents were lifelong friends. Right. And they've known each other since they were babies. Mm-hmm. So oh. why, why isn't he at least, um, you know, acquainted with her? And no or, you know, like the DK, the DK family comes over to Flit's house for dinner. I guess they don't. <laughs> and no, no trips to Space Disney World together. I guess not. Uh, that, that was weird. I was like, "What the hell?" No, no space <laughs> summer camp. Because because awesome, he's got this look on his face. Like, what the hell? Because yeah, hell are you? Because let, let, let's put it to you this way: she is. Whereas DK was just scared of spiders. And the wind blowing. Uh huh. Not the wind that he produces, but just the wind blowing. <laughs> uh, this girl is very outgoing and, you She's know. She's the opposite um, of her dad. Yeah. Like, like she almost, says. <laughs> almost kind of fearless, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of doing whatever she wants to do. But yeah, it's um, very strange. Yeah, like we're, she- we're great friends. Parents are great friends, but we've never spent, we've never met before. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like she says later, she gets it from her mother. <laughs> Yeah, we're so, <laughs> Spoilers. So, yeah. So we see uh, the ship still exactly the same 25 years later. And uh, big surprise, uh, Milace is the captain. Mm-hmm. And hardly looks at all older. Goodness. You know, they, put, they put two lines on the side of her <laughs> mouth to indicate age. That's that old anime trick. Yes. But it, she still basically looks like she's in her twenties. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe yeah, she's, she's in her mid forties. <laughs> well, maybe she, uh, maybe she's using the uh, the Captain Max facial treatment. Oh, there you, you go. Know? I guess so. Yeah. Or, or, or <laughs> space oil of Olay. Because uh, Captain Max was like what eighteen at one point, and then we see him years later. He's like fifty. <laughs> yeah. Like wow, he looks the same. <laughs> Shorter hair, but that's about it. <laughs> dude, dude, what did you do? Age two years. <laughs> So anyway, we see that uh, we see that DK, grown-up DK, is now the chief mechanic on the Diva taking over from Vargas, and he's like, "Hi, I'm DK." <laughs> he, well, he doesn't sound like a, a you know a, a drag queen. He's <laughs> he sounds like he smokes a lot, but he, yeah, he does. <laughs> like, hey guys, what's up? I'm DK. I'm the I'm the mechanic. Yeah, and- I'm up for you. 
and it does seem like his balls has dropped. I mean, of course they have. So he's he's graduated. He's graduated now. He's no longer a Sobros man because oh, he sounds cool. What? (laughs) Yeah, this is the only case of a Sobros man breaking. The breaking mold. through the barrier, breaking yes. through that glass ceiling of mediocrity. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know if I'd go that far because he just seems like he's just a normal, uh, normal engineer. We we haven't seen him. We don't know if yeah, he's like, normal. Scott. Is still leagues beyond. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's true. Sobros, man. So but anyway, he's not, but he's not like a Scotty type where he can just fix it. You know, be the miracle. Oh, how how do you know? Uh-oh. Oh, we haven't seen we haven't him yet. seen his skills yet. So he's like, "Hey, here's uh, here's your new Gundam. Yeah, it's it's awesome and fast, and it transforms." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, now he's no longer scared of mobile suits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, we meet the commander of the Divas mobile suit team, and oh, look who it is! It's uh, Wolf, who um, has not aged very well. Oh, man, Mr. Mutton Chops himself. Yeah, he's the one that he's the one that actually looks looks the worst. <laughs> you would think as the pilot. He'd be in the best shape. <laughs> and and Mr. Like, Mr. Sexy, Stylish, you know, kind of metrosexual guy that he was in Generation 1. Mm-hmm. What happened to this guy? <laughs> Did Clark <Hard> happen? <laughs> I don't know. He hit that brick wall. <laughs> so, if anything, he's become even more eccentric in the 25 years to match nice. his weird appearance. And now we've got this little, like, uh, team of, of noob pilots, which includes Asim... Arissa and two other pilots, a uh, kind of sobro-ish looking man named, little kid named Max. Good lord. Who yeah. interestingly is voiced by the guy who did Uso. Oh, really? Oh, Is man. his first time coming back to Gundam in nearly 20 years. Wow. Well, Max is my middle name, so hey. <laughs> That's well, crazy. Maybe, maybe he'll be your man now taking over the second half of Generation 2 because he's also useless. I guess, I guess that other guy passed the baton. I, 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 <laughs> hit the enemy and cause no damage yay <laughs> but anyway one step at a time and this uh older pilot named obright who actually has experience serving under wolf so yeah. basically the ship launches their mission is to go to earth and stop by big ring first and we get a little tidbit that um the age one is being sent ahead to big ring so it can be modified for use without the H system, which, gee, I wonder what that portends for the future. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> Who, who's that go to, I wonder? Oh, man. I wonder. Sort of like, like when uh, in Gundam X, when, uh, when kids like, oh, yeah, I, I modified the, the GX so it can be used without the, uh, the controller, and uh, gee, look who, got, who, look who got it afterwards. Yeah, I know. <laughs> maybe so. maybe a certain Gendo esque person gets it. Who knows? Who knows? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so as uh, as they're launching, they get attacked by the Vegans because very oddly, and we've mentioned that these people are odd. We actually see finally Ezelkant, but only half of his face, which makes you wonder why are they hiding his whole face? Who could he be? Mm-hmm. He's the Phantom. He he congratulates. <laughs> Zehart on his successful infiltration mission, which, given that Zehart got caught and had to run away, I don't know. If that <laughs> maybe they just have different standards on Mars. <laughs> well, well, maybe it's just propaganda to to the troops. Oh, this was a success, even though they knew it was utter failure. And then, for whatever reason, he appoints Zehart as commander of the Earth Occupation Forces, which I love when he gives his first speech to the troops. <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? Are you serious? This kid? <laughs> the hell? We gotta, we gotta work with this guy? 
And we finally see like the first bit of humanity from the the mass of the grunt population because mm-hmm. the end of that first generation they were all shown as being fanatics who were you know working at their stations even though that space station was blowing up around them yeah and now we see like nah these you know for all of their hatred against earth these guys are more normal than you would expect or that you know flit thinks you know because who wouldn't if you're a soldier who wouldn't be suspicious of some little punk uh wetback behind the ears kid Mm-hmm. being put in charge of you why why would you do this why would i want to <laughs> listen to this guy and, and, and for all the grief that we gave him in the previous episodes with like you know having the the mobile suit go through town and <clears throat> nobody really noticing this does make sense because this is actually what people would be saying is like who the hell is this kid and why is he now my leader i've i've been in the field for 15 years and now this <laughs> And by and the was, way, before anyone says anything, I realize I should have said wet behind the ears. That was not any racial slur intended when I said well, wet back. I, for a moment, let me just, I, let me just moment. put that out there right now before from, anyone fires up, you know, uh, uh, an outraged comment on Mech Talk. There was no racial slur. I meant to say wet behind the ears. So can it and save the outrage for something else? I, I took pause for a moment until you said behind the ears. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I um I I heard that as as I'm watching the Lakers game against the Heat and they got their uh, Hispanic awareness jerseys on, oh, no. <laughs> you know, Los Lakers and El Heat. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, oh, Chris, but that's fine. But hey, I'm Hispanic, right. so it's okay. There you go. Whatever. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> what were we saying? Gundam uh, Age. Um, yeah, we're talking, we're talking about we're talking about Zahart being um being the commander. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he commander. sends out. He sends out some some dudes to go attack the diva and check it out, and he wonders if you know is awesome on that ship. Well, <laughs> gee, Sherlock, it's a pretty good bet that it is, since there's a new gun up there. Well, wait, wait a second. That's the uh, that's the mobile suit that defeated you guys twenty five or the the ship that defeated you twenty five years ago, and it it housed the Gundams. So chances are, yes. Magic Eight Ball says all oh, signs point to yes. <laughs> So they attack, everyone goes out, but the H2 isn't ready yet, so they can make a heroic entrance later on. Uh, Arissa and Max, they suck as pilots. <laughs> and then oh, Awesome comes awful. in and saves the day with the super awesome H2 and its hyper Dodds rifle and G Strider flight mode and blah, 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 blah. But he gets a little ahead of himself, and uh, these two units, they break off to attack the Diva. He chases them against orders. So now the diva can't fire, and then he pulls something really stupid. He transforms and pushes himself directly in front of the bridge. Ooh, man. <laughs> Which, you don't do that unless, say, you're like Yazan, and you want the bridge to be hit directly. Yeah. <laughs> like he did the Jamaican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone, appropriately, like, there's a look of shock on everyone's faces, like, what is wrong with this kid? <laughs> <laughs> which as i noted in my review um this whole thing of like oh you're in the line of fire of the ship and then he he maneuvers around and he shoots both of them he kills them both with the same shot right okay i i guess he did, maybe he awesome went to uh, university of phoenix as maybe, well maybe so <laughs> space is three-dimensional there is really not there should not be such a thing as line of fire in three dimensions because you know you have three Axes of movement, so he could move above 
the enemy suits and destroy them and not be in the line of fire of the diva. He could also move below them or to the sides. And exactly. it doesn't have to be in a straight line. This is not ground <laughs> combat. You get it on above or below or anywhere in the, anywhere in the exactly. Z axis. <laughs> exactly. So, again, little dumb things here and there that just kind of spoil some of these elements. You know, little inconsistencies that could have been handled properly. <laughs> so, anyway, at the end of this, uh, he gets lectured by Milace. She gives him a, a bright lecture. Oh, man. That he, he violated orders. He's like, but I got the enemy. <laughs> like, ah, uh, kid, you don't get it. So, Silbro, your comments on this episode. There's definitely shades of Bright and Camille there. <laughs> Ex- no. Except without the, 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 the corrections I was waiting for. I was waiting for that slap. I thought, oh, I, I, thought, don't, I don't doubt that there'll be corrections Ooh. in the future. I know, I know Malaise, <laughs> Malaise, twice, uh, Malaise has been holding back. But I know that I know that slap is coming, and I can't wait. <laughs> Send him up for corrections. <laughs> if not, then some punches on the bridge. Something. It's it's gonna go down. But <laughs> I, I, this is my favorite, one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, just the introduction of everybody who's on the ship. Oh, of course, DK. Of oh yeah. Return of, the, 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 you must have been a proud pappy to see one of your uh, <laughs> one of your men break break the barrier, huh? <laughs> You're like, wow, somebody actually made something of themselves. He actually became the thing that I thought Saji was going to become. Useful. <laughs> oh, damn. Man, you're laying it on thick today, aren't you? Oh, my God. I was saying. <laughs> Two coats. <laughs> but, yeah, he... Um... Make sure you're doing that second coat, Biff. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, good stuff from DK, man. He 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 showed up, man. He showed up, and uh, apparently he procreated. So hey, hey, his his daughter is is spunky, and um, she's she's definitely going to be uh and embarrassed yeah. of her father and embarrassed of her father. But well, I guess we'll get to that soon. Uh, <laughs> he must still have that problem, that digestion problem. Oh, Reese's nothing like him, uh, and that that definitely um that definitely except is for that dumbass problem. hair, yeah. Apparently they got something wrong with their eye. <laughs> yeah, what is up with that family? Those, yeah. those bangs are out of control, that's for sure. But uh, it's just see, it's good to see the whole gang again, and um, I, I I know that they're gonna they're they're gonna be a uh, we're already familiar with them from the previous uh, previous generation, so they're gonna be a a, a great. Uh, uh, well, you mean Malay? Cast. You mean Malays and and Wolf, right? Malay, Malays and Wolf and DK and um and and because the rest of those people. You know, we're introduced uh, to are them. brand new, yeah. But uh, if if anything, there's uh, familiar elements there. On top of that, uh, Romari, I guess, has Malaise's old job, right? Yeah. Oh, then it's in the same chair, but yeah. you know, she became a uh, little little bridge bunny. A little bridge bunny, so big yeah. surprise. <laughs> so it's it's good to well, see everybody, her. Um, the, everybody everybody's surprised on the bridge. They're like, why are you here? <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, why are you here? You like, you t- um, uh, no reason. <laughs> What'd you? What did you do to deserve this <laughs> this uh, placing on board the ship? But uh, apparently she worked things out. But yeah, it's it's a good episode. Uh, especially uh, it's good to see a transforming mobile suit again in uh, in the age two. Its introduction was pretty nice. I, I like that suit's design. It's uh, a, a little similar to me. Um, it, it like the Zeta, and uh, I, I do find it foolish that of all the places where he could go, he had to put himself in front of the ship. <laughs> it's just that that's one of the things that did nag me in, in this episode but uh he got the job done um but yeah that those corrections were definitely overdue there and uh i, I know they're coming but uh, i give the episode i give the episode four stars if anything i give it four 
for DK's returns out of five. Mm. Okay, uh, Neo. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a great episode. Um, you know, kind of a fun episode to see, especially all the goofiness of Wolf. To see that, um, yeah, he didn't really grow up, did he? He just got even more eccentric and, and crazy. And and now, the the uh, the older pilot didn't he make a comment like you don't really survive in Wolf Squadron? Like, no, that's what Max said. Like, oh, I heard this rumor that no one survives with him. Yeah, so I was like. What the heck? <laughs> the Grim Reaper? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but um, yeah, that that was good. And, and of course, um, we, we get you know the tension of oh, it's just not ready yet, sir. <laughs> I need to go out. What was it? The dots rifle wasn't out of the Easy Bake Oven yet, or something yeah. like that? Or no, the the optimization. Oh yes, the optimization. That's right. So um, as they were defragging the Gundam, he couldn't go out and, and do yes. anything. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. And, and like we said, we we have seen history, the um, the growth of a Soul Bros man from not a Soul Bros man. So wow. But we we see the passing of the baton to. Uh, now a Soul Bros man actually piloting something, not just sitting in the back seat like uh, the original Soul Bros man was doing. So, but a, but a good episode. I'd probably I'd probably give it about a I bet three three and a, three quarters. I don't know if it was quite a four, but it was it, it was better than a three and a half. So well, well. right, your your non-standard measurements <laughs> yes. that will be ignored and not counted towards anything. <laughs> <laughs> my my non-standard uh, measurements that mean nothing in the end. Yes. So. so I thought it was good to finally get into the meat here that, you know, we've got the, the whole team in place of Wolf, Malace, Asim, the Diva, the Age 2. So we finally got that introduction out of the way because that's kind of the way it was in the first generation. You had three episodes of just kind of setting everything up. And then in the fourth is when it started kicking off and moving in its direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see the debut of the Age 2. I thought it's got a pretty nice design kind of a cross between the zeta and the double o riser i think uh-huh. that's what i thought too yeah. uh, not surprising it's the same designer from double o who did the double o riser mm-hmm. and it's nice to see it's come at debut again little stupidity of the whole and you're in our line of fire in three-dimensional space <laughs> yeah and i thought it was interesting that you know for all of the comments that Asim made that uh, he doesn't want to get special treatment and there's all these rumors that he's getting special treatment because he's Flit's son, he sure seemed like he wanted it when, at the end, uh, Malaise is lecturing oh, yeah. him for disobeying orders. And rather than just being a good soldier and keeping his mouth shut, he's like, mm-hmm. but I destroyed the enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, I, no, I don't like, no, I, kid, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> when you're being lectured, you shut up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 Flitz kid when it when it's gonna benefit me. <laughs> I'm not Flitz kid when I don't want it to. Yeah, because I would have never. Uh, well, why do you think I'm I'm special that I got the these the super advanced mobile suit Gundam that um, you know all these other guys probably should get like Hell Wolf who's got what 25 years of piloting. Experience. <laughs> but no, we'll give it to the uh, the fresh out of the academy kid. I'm so. sure that would, that would have been a, a, a wet dream for Wolf to get the H2. And the very first thing 
Oh, Even if they needed him in battle right away, he'd paint the whole damn thing white. Oh yeah, he'd be there. So you're, that's sir, you're ready to launch. It must be painted white. That, that would be <laughs> that would be his excuse not to launch immediately. It wouldn't be optimization. He'd be under the paintbrush. <laughs> and and Melissa's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, uh, it's not optimized yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I I want the inside white too. <laughs> Just don't do the outside. <laughs> She's like, what? What? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, bad, bad transmission. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> Someone gets Sherman Williams on that. <laughs> so that brings us to the last episode that we're discussing in this block. Episode 20, the red mobile suit. Oh, no way. So in sort of a nice callback to original series, we've got... Zehart doing a uh, performance test with the ZSR, and he finds that this uh, crappy old suit can't keep up with his X-Rounder reflexes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Section 8 Wolverine tells him, don't worry, man, we got some new stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets his new stuff, which is a red mobile suit called the Zedra. Oh, wow. And oh boy, does it get better. <laughs> so... Some some lackey, some tech lackey tells him, like, hey, here's this mask that you have to wear to control your x <laughs> abilities and interface with the mobile suit, and you should wear it the whole time. Yeah, because it, it'll help you get used to it or something. It's like, like, hmm, this this mask, hmm, that, <laughs> that, looks, that looks familiar. It looks nothing like anything we've ever seen before. <laughs> <laughs> And he's there looking at a map of space because they know that the ship is heading for Big Ring. It's like, well, this would be the most common route if they were trying to get there. And Zahar goes, well, what, what about this little Shulzen over here? Which one is that? Mm-hmm. That's the uncommon route. Wait, where does the diva happen to be? Oh, they went that way to try to not be obvious and in doing so be obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they get attacked by the Vagans. And they're out there fighting, and then suddenly, suddenly, a red mobile, unidentified red mobile suit comes in at three times the normal speed. I've oh, never man. seen anything go this fast before. Are you sure it's a mobile suit? <laughs> yes. At which point I was like, oh, really? Did you? Yeah. Oh. Hey, man. Homage, man. So well, there's homage, and then there's just yeah. There's, just, there's too much of a good thing. Yeah. But we yeah. Get through this first. So the the Zeder is piloted by now the masked Zehart, and he orients this battle such that no one else even tries to attack Asim, and they prevent anyone else from trying to attack Zehart, so that that way he can fight Asim on his own. Right. And they have a pretty good fight, but in the end. He beats down Awesome again, puts his sword to the neck again, <laughs> and says, hey, uh, you don't belong here, and uh, you, uh, you're no good, and you're too kind-hearted, and blah, blah, blah. Pretty much the same stuff he said the last time, and, you know, you don't have the resolve to, to shoot knowing that it's me, and yada, yada, and, you know, I have my homeland, and wah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then he leaves. And he goes back, and... Uh, lies poorly to his older brother Desil, who we now see 25 years older and 25 years crazier (laughs) he's a total nut job even more than he was as a little kid 
man. Yeah, I think there might have been a, a leak in his spacesuit. Uh, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> maybe, yeah, the- maybe he was out there floating around in his busted-up Zetas for, for too long before uh, the, the Vagans found him. He oh. did the old uh, Tim Ray. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Put this in there, Amro. <laughs> well, actually, no. His was probably more like uh, Fala Griffin from Victory because she was also out there That's too right. long and she went like kooky homicidal. That's yeah. true. True. So. Kooky homicidal. That's always the worst. Well, let's face it. He was heading in that direction anyway. <laughs> yes. And, of course, at the end, Asim feels bad because, you know, friendship. Yeah, sucks. So, Neo, your comments on this episode? Um, well, I'll just do the elephant in the room. There comes a point of homage when it just goes too far. And that's <laughs> what I, that, would be, that would be the subscript of this, uh, this episode, when homage goes too far. Because it just <laughs> got to a point where it was like, oh, uh, I knew there was going to be a red mobile suit. I knew, you know, you, you know these things. But then it was like, oh, yeah, here's this mask that will help you control this. And when the guy said, you just want to keep it on all the time, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> we're, we're forcing this, but we're not really forcing it. But uh, it was it was. Well, sick. here's the thing. The, the thing is the they used all three elements of the red mobile yes. suit, the mask, and three times faster. And while there have always been Char-type characters in other shows like, you know, low low rent char aka zex oh yes they've never used every single element exactly because yeah. even yeah. though unicorn reuse those elements it has a purpose because it's part of that same universe oh yeah and those elements mean something to the characters in that universe uh, exactly and he, whereas in all of the other universes it's just a meta thing yeah but they never went all the way the trifecta the the Shaw trifecta is as they say. And, 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 to, and, to, and, to, to, to paraphrase Tropic Thunder, they went full Shar. And they went full <laughs> And you never go full Shar. And and, and and not only did they go full Shar, they went full Shar like in a span of five minutes. It was like very quick full Shar. It was like, oh whoa. Like yeah, yeah it's like red mobile suit, here's your mask three times faster. <laughs> <laughs> wow, not much subtlety Ooh. there, huh guys? <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, of course, the whole, uh, we're going to help Z-Hard fight him alone. We're going we're gonna to have, it was like, okay, we're just going to fight these other losers. They're, they're, they suck so bad that they're not really worth our time. We'll just kind of hold them off while our, our leader's fighting their, <laughs> their mobile suit. And then, yes, the whole thing of, you know, you got to leave and you're not good and you're too nice. And I'm just like. Wow, um, he's not only—he's not even in the old twenty-five-year-old mobile suit anymore. He's in the super advanced <laughs> current technology one. That's probably—we haven't even seen what it could do yet. And you're still going to do the same thing. It's like, and then and then his whole weak-willed lie of like, uh, yeah, he uh, got away. <laughs> you, you know how it is in those asteroid zones, and it's like, oh, yeah, uh, good episode, but. Uh, the fact that we they went full char knocks it down for me. I'm I'm saying a three. Oh, it, shoot. Yeah, it just it killed it, dude. Seriously, like I Damn. I sat there and I'm just like I mean really think about it though. It, it we've like we've established it's just they've always had the elements, but this it was just so blatant. I'm just like oh my gosh. So <laughs> yeah, it's um, a three for me. So well, damn. So, um. 
I, it didn't bother me as much with the with the whole full shar thing. Well, uh, of course I, not, I, I, Mr. I, Nostalgia. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I guess I am. I guess I am. But uh, I I kind of expected it. I mean, he in the intro when they show all him, three. huh? Did all three elements. I mean, I kind of expected it since they show him looking, you know, shar esque in the intro. Um, and they had the show of him piloting a red mobile suit, so I, I just assumed he was going to be three times faster. But um, sure enough, they 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 hit all nails on the head within within the first act. <laughs> but um, I I I guess they could have they could have been more original with it. I I, I can admit that, uh, like in the other Gundam series, where I I do look forward to seeing a mass man in a Gundam series, but to hit uh, the whole Shar thing note for note, um. You know, it it, it kind of takes away from Shore himself. That's that's why we always make fun of Gundam Wing and and um, Zex because you know he's low rent Shore. We, we kind of don't want to see another low rent Shore show up in a in 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 another Gundam series. But we'll we'll see how we'll see how the heart turns out as the series progresses. But uh, no, just uh, the 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 whole fight at the end. Uh, you can see that uh, the heart was really struggling with not killing him. And that's that's probably my favorite moment of the episode when they're when when they're duking it out and he doesn't uh he doesn't pull through with uh taking him out and just leaves him there and then Dessel calls him on it at the end of the episode which I thought was really cool because uh, <laughs> you know Dessel being the obsessive uh, maniac that he is you know he wouldn't have hesitated to do it but um he at least he's uh, he's not crazy enough to know when someone is um lying to him and not notice that so uh at least he's got some wits about him so um overall i thought it was a, a solid up I, i'd give it I, i'd give it three and a half all right well you know like uh like neo the the over the full char was a little bothersome that they were just throwing out all these elements like come on guys just yeah ratchet it down a little bit be a little bit more subtle maybe one or two elements but the fact that they even had the the helmet with the flimsy excuse of all oh, you need it to control the suit or otherwise <laughs> yes. it would blow up by itself yeah contrived huh <laughs> a little little bit and you know it's funny that for all of uh Zahart's talk about how soft Asim is and you know he doesn't belong there yada yada he's the guy who can't do his own job no kidding because their <laughs> yeah, whole point know, really. was to capture or destroy the age system and even though he beats Asim he just runs off he just <laughs> he could have he could have easily grabbed the age 2 and taken it with him back to his <laughs> ship his all red battleship I, I have oh, oh I know and they looked exactly like the Xeon mobile, uh, the Xeon warships too I forget what they were called the ones I think yeah. Well, they also look like the other one too. There was one that looked, um, God, well, it, the, the red one, kind of the um, the Guazine. Yes, the Guazine. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but the uh, the other question I have is: Do the Vegans do they not have gun cameras on their mobile suits? <laughs> like the fact, <laughs> the fact that he's just sitting there saying to his his uh, commander at the end, "Yeah, uh, he got away." Like they not going to be able to see the. Gun camera footage. <laughs> <laughs> they go, they go, dig, they go digging in the black box to see what really happened. That <laughs> she sat well, there he, in like a is, five minute conversation with the um, with the enemy. He is the commander, so who's going to question him other than his psycho older brother? Yeah, I guess. And I can't. I'm I'm actually looking forward to the um, the episode where Desiol goes full psycho. I can't wait to see oh, the craziness man. that's going to be because this guy is just completely batshit. I mean, he's nuts. Better than squirrel shit. <laughs> He'll probably be the one to kill someone, and I, that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be a, a oh, high time in the show. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, Arissa. 
Time is t- clock is a ticking. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I I enjoyed parts of the episode. It had some good elements, you know. Even though there was all of the overdone char, you know, it was nice to have an asteroid battle because those are still pretty rare in Gundam. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it certainly was reminiscent of the debut of the Sinanju and Unicorn since they did the whole Char thing there, but also in an asteroid field. But no real rock guy, though. No, no real rock guy. (laughs) Maybe sometime later. (laughs) So, overall thoughts so far on Age 2 after these five episodes. It's a it's a good start. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the the season pans out. I'm getting the feeling that they're going to be going to Earth in this season because one of the things of note in the do uh, you think so? Since yeah, that's the destination that they set last episode, no no doubt. <laughs> but, <laughs> Let me go out and live here. I think they're going to go. And this episode they discussed about going to Earth, but I mm-hmm. think we will see Earth in this in this I just, show. I just thought I would bring that up. Uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Cap- Captain Obvious. Obvious, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because I find it interesting that um, throughout the first course of uh, this this saga, they never went. So finally we get to go because usually they're back and forth off Earth and then back into space. And it's just back and forth all the time. But um, notably in this show, um, so far we haven't been there and we're we're 20 episodes in. So it'll be nice to see that. But I'm excited for to see how things turn out. Yeah, I think think it's um, I've always been wondering how they were going to do this multi-generational thing. And, yeah, there was some, you know, hiccups along the way and and some things and all that. But I I think for the most part, um, this is uh, this this generation's been good. It's good to see that there's elements of Flit in um, in Awesome. But then we see that he's his own person. Uh, you know, he's just not a complete clone of his father, you know, especially with some of the stuff of, um, you know, with some of his piloting skills and stuff like that. And, and then, like we said, we, we can see some of his immaturity of, of being a, a, you know, a military person with that whole, uh, that, you know, that whole confrontation with Malay sort of like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I got him. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> your, your job is to follow orders and kill the enemy. But, um, yeah, but it. I, I think it's been good. The, you know the 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 full char that that was not a good thing, but you know, hopefully that's just an aberration and we don't have to worry about stuff like that. But uh, who knows? But overall, a, a solid show at this point. And yeah, I would uh, say they've managed to do a pretty good job so far of transitioning from the first generation to the second. And I like Awesome as a main character. I like this generational divide because even though Flit is not a Gendo. You can definitely see there's going to be some conflict between yeah. the two of them because Flit has this very hardline attitude of, you know, the Vegans are practically not even human. There's no peace with them. I want to kill them all. Mm-hmm. And Austin's going to be like, oh, but my friend's at heart. He's a good guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, yo, your friend, what's his name again? Oh, Zahart Gallat. Gallat. Yeah. Like, well, let me tell you about these people, blah, blah, blah. You can definitely see there's going to be that conflict because, you know, Flit never had anyone on the other side that he could identify with and humanize, whereas Awesome obviously does have that with Zehart. Yeah. So you can see that, that that's absolutely going to come up. And that's going to be a source of conflict for the two of them. So I'd like to see how that would play out. And uh, hopefully these other pets on the Diva who are not named Awesome and Wolf will get a little bit better. Oh, I know. Especially Arissa because, you know, so far she's been completely used. For all that, for all that spunk, she has no potting ability. Not at all. Even Max got some last episode, so. 
<laughs> he saved her. So the only yeah, thing like, so how far, did she, how did she get out of the academy, or how did she pass flight school? <laughs> Nepotism. The the only thing that I would say so far as a criticism, as a disappointment, is that Romari is a completely useless character. Oh, yeah. you can tell that she's just there to set her up as Keo's mother up to now, and. You know, they've got her being completely useless in that she joined the military just to follow this kid she's got a crush on, mm-hmm. but can't even bring herself to tell her, to tell him how she feels about him. And she's just there, you know, blushing endlessly. <laughs> so I would like to see her maybe, you know, shape up a bit under the tutelage of Malace and maybe become just a bit more assertive and, you know, actually a useful character rather than just... Um, Bridge Bunny. A bridge, useless bridge bunny slash uh, baby factory. A baby yeah. factory. <laughs> so here's hoping here's hoping that that happens with her. Although, you know, this being anime, I don't expect it to happen. Mm. Are you saying anime could di- that disappoint you in the end? Yes, <laughs> oh, especially oh, oh, oh. especially when it comes to the depiction of women. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> it ain't so, Chris. Well. <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> so I think that wraps up this discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey! Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! I thought they smelled bad on the outside on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right, uh, phase boobs. Phase boobs. <laughs> I have to about say that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey. It's just, are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> oh, legs no. are nice, too. <laughs> no, it's just that, you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think uh, that conversation. Seriously, no I'm, 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 I'm dumbfounded uh, by that argument. Being... Congratulations, <laughs> you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Boy, it's lucky you had these kind of arms. Use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in this is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool, I knew that you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? 
right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, and now for our second segment, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, the Venus Wars. And in this section, we're going to be talking about the two mangas and the movie and do quick little uh, our takes on them and, and some of the comparisons of the first manga offering to the movie uh, that was shown. So um, first one here is the, the first part of the, the mangas were done during uh, 1987 to 1990. Uh, There's about four, four volumes. Uh, they were brought over to English uh, by Dark Horse Comics, uh, so you can definitely check that out. The, uh, the well, you have to check it out on scans. You go to your local comic shop for back issues, I'm sure. But um, the first, uh, the the first volume or the, the first story, um, it was about I think what about 14 issues in the Dark Horse Comics, Chris. Yeah, and and it follows the overall story that we will see later in uh the venus wars movie but with a lot of different um a lot of different changes uh basically what had happened in, in the far distant future i think it was like 2003 or uh, 2003 some comet hit venus cleared out all the gas all the crap and made it where you could go in there and colonize it so earth uh earth people have left um earth uh not everyone but they just went and and colonized venus uh, it's talking about the trials and tribulations of of colonizing this planet. There are two uh, factions. One's called Istar, and what's it, what's the other one? How's Aphrodia. that? Aphrodia. Aphrodia. So um, you see that Istar, they're a little bit they're uh, a little bit more uh, aggressive, and they got these like super tanks. And the Aphrodias uh, are having a very ta- difficult time. Um, defending themselves where Istar is basically taking over sections of their territory trying to take over the whole planet of Venus and uh, we're introduced he's called Ken in the comic but he's his real name is Hero correct it's that's just the Americanization of his yeah the Americanization mm-hmm. of his name and he plays in a, uh, a I don't know about that because there were other character name changes so it I mean he has the same last name still and so but he's Ken in the he's, yeah he's Ken in the comic, but he's hero in the hero movie, in so. the in the movie. Yeah, I mean the Ken the last name short is, for Ken Shiro. That's true too. Yeah, so. it doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But, it's just uh, one of those things. <laughs> uh, he, he's a participant in this uh, very kind of strange uh, sp- sport here that's done on motorcycles. That um, it's. Uh, that is a ba- battle ball, battle bike. Yeah, battle bike, where it's a little weird because in the movies, uh, 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 well, just do the manga in this one. You basically have a baton, and it's kind of like a rollerball type of thing where you get points holding on to the baton, losing it if you get hit before you pass off the baton, and then there's this whole thing with um, you have kind of like Queens. a team, team queen that's like you got to protect her, but then she, and, you know, she's. Uh, She's the motivation for your team, and she tell, she's directing these guys what to do. Um, it's, it's, it's a very kind of bizarre uh, type of thing, and, and we see that he's being scouted by the military uh, to be a pilot for their new kind of battle bikes that are um, the, uh, Aphrodia's answer to uh, Istar's uh, massive tank called the Octopus. Uh, so we see him joining the army, dealing with the whole issue with his friends, uh, kind of hiding some of the stuff, his, some of the issues that he has as a pilot and with all these other 
former battle bike uh, pilots and stuff, the battles that they go through, and then the penultimate battle at the end when um doesn't really end up that well. Um, basically, spoiler alert here, um, he loses two of his friends. Uh, he gets badly hurt, and uh, the Frodias lose the battle and lose the war. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, it's wow. uh, not exactly the, uh, <laughs> the, the best thing. But um, uh, in true form, Solbro forgot to read this, but uh, we'll go to Chris. <laughs> so if, if, if Solbro is quiet during the MAGA offerings, that's the only reason why. So all, uh, all <laughs> is deliberately, so- deliberately silencing him just yeah. because he's the black guy with the most charisma. Sweet and 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 most consistent in his mess ups. Uh, yes. uh, so all insults and ridicule go to sbr at gmail dot com. Yay! So, but uh, Chris, uh, some of your thoughts of uh, the first offering of the Venus Wars. Yeah, I, I go pretty far back with the Venus Wars movie, but I had never read the manga until getting ready for the segment. And like you, I was very surprised from the get go the very major story differences. Because um, you have this dude, Ken, and he's kind of more of a jerk in the manga than he is at the beginning of the movie. Real mm-hmm. jerk in the manga, yeah. A real jerk. Very dismissive <laughs> of his friends. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really seem to get along with most of them. I mean, he's cool with this girl, Maggie, who's sort of his kind of, kind of not girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these differences with how he ends up in the military... Um, the fact that uh, Ishtar attacks and he enlists pretty early on, um, the hey, fact that his cool. friend Miranda, the the queen of his team, she joins the military and then gets herself killed, Ooh. Yeah, which obviously doesn't happen in the movie. Uh, there's a whole s- subtext that's not at all in the movie of religious fanaticism. Oh yes, oh, that whole aspect of that. There's Akbar. this coup d'état by this general Akbar. <laughs> and he and this like religious fanaticist they take over Aphrodia during the fight because the war drags out much longer. Yeah. And Aphrodia survives much longer compared to the anime. And these you have these cultists, you know, just preaching all of this nonsense and dictating orders to regular soldiers with all of their and they have no understanding of military tactics. So you get that whole subtext that um is not there. And it's interesting to see. You really see how it descends in sort of being to like a dirty war. Like mm. you can see the the breakdown of the ranks on the Aphrodian side and all of the chaos. It reminded me of and if Solbro had had read the manga he was supposed to, maybe he'd agree with me. And maybe oh you will, Neo. You remember in Apocalypse Now, the the whole part there, that big scene around the bridge? Oh yeah. Yeah. And how mm-hmm. those American soldiers had basically just been abandoned there and they mm-hmm. all went nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get that impression from the Ephrodians as time goes on, the ones who are out there in the field and they've just been abandoned and they're going crazy like the one guy who tries to rape Maggie and then Ken yeah. shoots him right in the head and kills him Ooh, and all yeah. these guys are out for blood. You know, how dare, you know, even if he was wrong, you know, this, this guy killed a superior officer and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? That guy deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> who cares about superior officer? He's a criminal. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you got, you got that whole aspect uh, that was interesting to see. You've also got a lot more focus on Ishtar than in the movie. It was pretty mm-hmm. one-sided in the movie. And you see all of this political maneuvering on the Ishtar side with this one general who is trying to 
have a favorable showing in the war so that he can run for election as consul hmm. against yeah. the current consul. And this scheming guy named uh, Rado, who I, I prefer to call uh, Young Giren. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is Young Giren both in attitude and appearance. Nice. Mm-hmm. So overall, I would say that the manga made for a much more varied experience in terms of all of these themes of religious fanaticism, you know, the breakdown of discipline, uh, kind of the dirtiness of the war, the politics. So I was very surprised how different it was and, you know, how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd have to say in the same way because, you know, it, all, the, all the parts that Chris had talked about, but you also see a lot of a lot more of like kind of the day-to-day life of these soldiers and, you know, some of that stuff that's going on. And it, it is, um, it, it's much more, it's, it's, it's depressing. I mean, it, 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 it is a little depressing because it's more hard, it's more hard edged and it's, it, you know, it's, it's got that realism to it that the, the movie offering really doesn't have, you know, the movie offerings a little, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but it, it's definitely got a more upbeat um, thing, and, and like you said, Ken is just a dick in this one. I mean, he is—he <laughs> is not—he's—he's he's not cool, as as we'll see in the movie. You know, he's with his friends and all that, and, and he's still you know, kind of a jerk in the movie, but he he lightens up. But in in the manga, he's such a jerk. Like, you know, I yeah. hate my life, and you know, I'm tired of this racing stuff. So I'm just gonna go into war because yeah. you know, I want a different. Wow. I, I want a new feeling of something. Yeah, and that's basically what he does. A, a little outside of, you know, he was kind of accidental teenage pilot in the movie. This one, it's like, he's just like, you know what? I'm sick of doing battle bike. I'm, I just want to go do something that's cool. And and you get to see that whole dynamic. And, um, yeah, the whole the whole religious thing was very interesting because, you know, it, that, that shows you that there was an opportunity for that general to seize power, and he did. I mean, that yeah. was... It was it, it, it was um, it was good, but um, another def- element uh, that that we should mention is Earth. Oh yeah, because in the movie Earth pretty much plays no role whatsoever. Yeah, but in and the movie kind of gives you the impression that um, Aphrodia and Ishtar are independent states, whereas the manga clearly yeah. indicates that they're autonomous um, governments under the jurisdiction of Earth. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So you have it kind of reminded me of uh, of Dugram a bit because mm-hmm. you have this whole thing, that whole conflict of these other planets that are under the jurisdiction of Earth, and Earth doesn't care about them, but causes all these problems for them. Mm-hmm. So you have this character of um, Susan McLuth, who's a Terran military inspector who was not at all in the movie, and she plays a critical role in both parts of the manga, and yeah. this whole aspect of you know, we got to be careful about what we do because we don't want problems with Earth. And that's a whole other element that's not in the movie at all. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you can see the whole thing with, um, with Earth is they don't really care until, for whatever reason now, it's messing up their interests. And yeah. they're, they're recognizing that this whole situation with Ishtar and these, uh, these basically almost invincible tanks that they have uh, it could be a real um, a real issue for them, and uh, we'll we'll see that in the second manga that uh, their their role in things actually increases much more so. But um, yeah, it's uh, but uh, the, Chris, anything else on this? Because I know we're going to probably do some comparisons at the end of this segment. So yeah, 
so no, nothing could... else to say about the the first manga. Okay, uh, the second one, uh, which was you know also done, uh, is available through um, Dark, Dark Horse. Horse Comics, um, and about the same length. Um, this is actually on the Ishtar side, and this is going to be shortly after the defeats of Aphrodia, and we see that um, we're following the basically the the adventures of a, of a warrant officer in the elite guard called uh, Matthew Random. And mm -hmm. uh, there's some political intrigue going on because uh, that um, that general that we had saw in the other um, uh, in in the previous manga is trying to still make a power grab. Uh, he gets assassinated, and during the time of his funeral, the current consor he gets assassinated. At, <laughs> he, he actually gets the reverse Iron Mask. Because they shot this guy in the head, you know, where Iron Mask is doing the speech in front of everyone uh -huh. and uh, dings off his head. Well, luckily, this guy was not uh, Iron Mask because uh, <laughs> it went right through his right through his thing. And, and as we can see, this whole thing was orchestrated by a guy named Rado that we were introduced in the in the previous one, mm -hmm. and actually Young Guerin <laughs> and the um, and uh, the actual council's wife, which everybody. Uh, uh, starts talking about as soon as the original when the council gets killed, he, they're like, "Wow, his wife is super hot." <laughs> she's like this. She's she's this noticeably good-looking, much younger uh, wife, you know, because this guy's like an well, old man. Then, then you know, you know, very hot young woman who's with uh, ugly old politician. That just tells you right there that she's evil. Oh yeah, man, that's <laughs> clearly that's that's always the case, one hundred percent of the time. And and, and, and what, it's certainly and, true here. And what ends up happening, she becomes the uh, the council, and they're trying to uh, basically, um, in this time, uh, Matthew Random, he, he uh, resigns from the forces, and he's trying to find out who did this assassination and what all the things that are going on. We see that uh, Rado is, you know, basically not only figuratively, but literally in bed with uh, the the council's wife, and, uh, <laughs> you know, their, their whole plan of taking over the whole Ishtarin uh, military and government and then uh, basically launching an attack against the Terrans because uh, they want to go and, and take over everything. So, And then this is where we see uh, McCluth. She's back in this one, and we, we see that um, the Terran uh, military is taking a keen interest in this because they know that something's going on. And during this time, uh, Matthew Random uh, gets a... He gets, falls in love with this girl called Larissa, who's basically the plaything of Rado and is actually the one uh, he manipulates her so much that she's like his assassination bunny. And uh, she meets a tragic end, just like pretty much everybody meets a tragic end in this one. <laughs> so uh, I will, uh, yeah, because if you, if you thought the first one was kind of uh, sad and depressing, this one's even more so. Um, Talk uh, about Chris. winning and losing. Yeah, because <laughs> towards the towards the end of this, we see Matthew actually exposes everything. Uh, he he ends up teaming up with uh, young Sailor, this girl called Lupica, that she Lupica uh, that um, you know he went to school with. I think like in elementary school, and you know she's this spunky um, Terran officer, and and they're or actually an Ishtaran officer, and they're and they they unveil the whole plan make light of it show everything you know and kill rado kill rado in yeah <laughs> actual gangster basically style win. yeah basically win 
And then, spoiler alert, uh, should, should I spoil this one, Chris? Yes. Or should, okay. In typical spoiler alert, mm-hmm. they, all the, uh, Matthew, Lupica, and some of these other guys that they, uh, th- that they uh, banded up with, and with McLuth, after she gets shot in the face by Larissa, um, oh, she dang. survives. They're all going to go to Terra, to Earth, to uh, you know discuss the, the future of Venus and stuff. And as uh, Matthew is, he has a nice little heart to heart with his parents. He gets in his car, he drives down the road. He sees this thing. It's towards the. It's it's on the road that he lives on. It's like something he put up. This little so sign it's a that he sign put, that his parents put up so that his friends could find his house. When yeah. He's oh wow. And, and he stops and he look, gets out of his car and looks at it. Next thing you know, you see a sniper shoots him right in the neck. The guy God. dies. And at the end, the last panel is Lupica going, "Where's Matthew? He's awful late. We need to get oh. going." Oh, he's late, all right. <laughs> the end. So Chris. Um, oh. Uh, your thoughts. <laughs> Damn. You know, uh, I was surprised when I started reading this that it switched perspectives to Ishtar and that uh, Ken and Maggie and all the people, they don't appeal at, appear at all. They are mentioned by um, Susan because she tells Matthew, like, oh, you know, the affordings aren't as bad as you think and there's some, some great kids that I met and you should meet them. And you see, like, in the background, like a little sketch of of Ken and Maggie. Obviously, that's who she's referring to. So mm-hmm. you kind of wonder, like, oh, wonder if maybe they'll meet eventually, but uh, oh. Matthew, a.k.a. Amaro, because he looks like that, identical yeah. to Amaro. Goodness. <laughs> never never meets them. So this this one is uh, very different from its predecessor because there is there is fighting, but there's no war because they, they beat Aphrodia, so that's not even an issue. It's all about political intrigue and assassinations, and it's very well done, and it gives you, like, a view into the inner workings of Ishtar, and it definitely fleshes out the Ishtarians a lot more than the movie does, which again presents them all as just one-dimensional villains. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the the, the scheming is just ridiculous in this thing. And you see uh, in this tale through Matthew's eyes because he's a very young, sort of naive guy. His very rude awakening because he becomes a patsy in all of these assassination plots and is used as a setup to get everything triggered in motion. And this girl, Louisa, that he's got a thing for, you know, she's the pawn of Rado, and he's got so much rage against Rado for that, especially after she gets killed. And it's interesting to see how he goes from being this very naive young soldier doing his duty to a guy who basically just snaps and becomes this, like, vengeful bastard. Wow. By the time they reach the end of the story, when Rado is crushed by all of this debris and junk and is dying anyway. But um, Matthew fills him up full of lead with a machine gun, gangster style. Damn! Well, but, but, but <laughs> only before, only before Arado, just in typical, just smug bastardness, is just got to sit there and just provoke him, saying yeah. all these awful things about Larissa like, and, and him. Like, hey, your girl, you know, she did anything for me because yeah. you know, she was just a dog and she Ooh. liked, oh. you know, everything and, you know... It's very interesting well, to see all of that. And mm-hmm. also just that very bizarre relationship between Louisa and Rado that's like this sick, like sexual kind of yeah. thing of like master and, and submissive and... Um, A battered you know, wife syndrome almost. Yeah, it's very weird. And all of the running around that uh, Matthew and Lupica do, uh, the strange... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Cola that they meet at the sewage treatment plant. Oh, jeez, yeah. 
his insanity and uh, all of these things you find out of Rado's master plan, which is just freaking destroy everything. He wants yeah. to conquer all of Venus and develop uh, Venusian-based biological weapons to go and attack Earth and conquer Earth as well. I mean, this guy's yeah. just, he's just war happy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, no, it's... So yeah, overall, I have to say I enjoyed Venus Wars 2 a lot more mm-hmm. than 1 because it's a much different sort of scope but set in the same world and making use of some of these same characters. So I like that it wasn't just more of the same. And I'd have to say I like Venus Wars 2 more than the movie as well. Oh, snap. Yeah, I, I, I would I, I'd like... I recommend Sobro read it anyway, even though the segment has already now passed. No, I'd love to, because uh, it, it's, a, it's Yoshikazu Yasuhiko, and um, I'm a big fan of his artwork, I, uh, all the animated series that he's worked on that I've seen. I, his, his art style just, just fleshes so well into animation, but I love his mangas, too, after reading Gundam The Origin. I, 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 I'm sorry I missed out on reading this, because it sounds like the second part would be right up my alley. I love stories oh, with political be. intrigue, and um, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, I mean, if if they're if they're you know, I know we did earlier a store, um, uh, um, an art uh, listener submitted a news article about an, uh, mangas that we'd like to be animated. Mm-hmm. I would like Venus Wars two to be animated. <laughs> well, I'd also it, like to see since remakes are all the craze, even though this yeah. wouldn't happen. I'd like to see the first One. part remade, yeah. and be faithful to the manga, yeah, and yeah. then make part two as well. Yeah, because the part two is good, and and I'm I'm in agreement with Chris. I I think it's um. Of of the three offerings, it's probably the best because yeah, some of the stuff that these guys are going through and and you know it, it's just so bittersweet when it comes to the endings and everything and, and you know even with um you know Matthew wins at the end but he doesn't um you know he's he, you know of course he gets killed but the whole the whole situation like Chris had said this whole thing with Rado and and Larissa it's just weird and she was one of those one she was one of those people that she was so messed up and this guy fucked with her so much that literally uh, she had to there, yeah literally there there was no other way for her but to die like even if she survived her and Matthew would have never had a normal relationship because she's just so screwed up and it i mean this guy was this guy was a master manipulator and um yeah it's i mean it's it's just uh, it, it's it's good and it was good to see it on the um, the Astaran side and and the in the whole thing of with uh, the whole Terran Empire or not the Terran Empire but the whole Terran uh, forces and you know their interest in everything because you know now their Earth is like oh this is pretty important now like. You know, Ishtar be- can't, can't it, ignore these crazy people anymore. <laughs> yeah, can't ignore them. And you know, when it's become you too big, <laughs> when you find out everything, it's um, pretty, pretty, pretty bizarre. But it's it's definitely a great read. And um, Chris, uh, your MHQ ratings for Venus Wars One and Venus Wars Two, the uh, mangas. I'd probably give Venus Wars One a four, and Part Two maybe a four and a half. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking it's around the same, the same lines. Um, it's four and a four and a half too. It, it, but you know, if if anyone out there, you definitely um, definitely check these out, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So, um, that'll uh, Chris. Anything else on one or two before we move on to uh, the movie? Nope. 
Well, basically, and uh, now Solbro can join in. Uh, oh, Solbro, you're, you are now allowed. Uh, you're uh, tapped in. Yes. <laughs> basically, um, just like what we were talking about in Venus Wars 1, uh, same, same pretty much overall story, uh, Frodi being attacked by Ishtar in this one. In the movie, though, we see that it's just three of those tanks, and they're really kind of laying waste. Uh, we see the adventures of uh, his hero in this one and um, his friends and all the, the trials and tribulations that he has to go through as he joins the, uh, the, mobile, the, mobile, um, the mobile bike uh, brigade. Uh, kind of the, they they kind of do these uh, guerrilla matches or guerrilla hit-and-run tactics mm-hmm. on Afroidia. And, uh, but... That's basically it, because, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. So I will go first now to Chris on his thoughts of the Venus War movie. Well, Venus Wars is a movie that I have a very long connection with. And if you're someone who was a fan of anime in the 90s, you probably mm-hmm. saw this movie. Absolutely. Because it aired a it zillion all... times on <laughs> sci-fi yeah. when they had their original anime block. Mm-hmm. And that's where I first saw it. And then I, I ran out and bought the movie. And interestingly, both directly and indirectly, this was my first exposure to Gundam. Oh, wow. Because the back of the VHS for Venus Wars, it says uh, that, you know, directed by Yoshikazu Yazuhiku, one of the creators of Japan's famous Gundam. Ho, ho. I said to myself, Gundam? What the hell is that? What the hell is, what, what the hell is this Gundam? <laughs> You know, because mind you, this is circa circa 1996, mm-hmm. and you know, the anime community was completely different from how it is today. This is the this is the days of you know, you got everything on fan sub videotape from a comic shop. Yeah, exactly. And and the only movies that were released here were like all of the hentai or all of the ultra violence and none, nothing in between. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So something like Venus Wars was a rarity. <laughs> yeah. So Venus Wars just became one of those gateway anime, and I enjoyed it. And you could definitely see in the manga and in the anime that Gundam influence of, you know, morally gray nature of a war on both sides, and well, more in the manga on that part. Um, you know, all of these other themes, the political entry. You can definitely see that Gundam influence. Hmm. You know, hero struggling to find his place in the world, all that kind of, all those classic sort of themes. And one thing I definitely enjoy about the movie, it was one of, it's one of these 80s movies, anime movies, where everything is so amazingly drawn. Yes, thank you. You know, back when everything was done by hand Mm -hmm. and not CG. So just watching things explode, the details of the backgrounds, it's, it's all very, very well done. Also, the mechanical designs I thought were a lot better in the movie. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, like for example, the battle bikes in the manga are basically just 20th century Earth dirt bikes. Really? Yeah, pretty much, wow. yeah. Yeah, they're nothing fancy. Whereas in the movie, there are these really cool looking monocycles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the battle bikes from the manga are just kind of big, bulky motorcycles. Mm hmm. Which is a big difference compared to the really cool, like, armored monocycle from the movie. So the movie definitely has that heads up and that design. The, the designs are all done by Makoto Kobayashi. And if you have any knowledge of his design of doing lots of Gundam mangas, he designs things that are very bulky and heavy. Oh, wow. As evidenced by the, the movie version of the octopus tanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Those things are massive. <laughs> they are. So there definitely were quite a bit of changes. You know, Susan McLuth, the Earth Inspector, has sort of been replaced by Susan Summers, a plucky young reporter. Yep. That's a big difference. Uh, on the Ishtar side, the commander of the military is this guy named General Donner, mm-hmm. who I guess kind of fills roughly the same role as Rado does. I think so, yeah, a little bit. Um, there is no thing about the religious aspect in the movie, and Astoria mm-hmm. gets defeated pretty instantly towards the beginning. <laughs> so what's kind of neat about the movie side of it is that it's a resistance force now fighting against an occupation rather than a military trying to still fight off an invasion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the main difference in the, in the manga. There's still the, there, it's still just a regular military. So, yeah. And then in the fact that hero in the movie, he sticks with his friends the whole time. Unlike Ken in the manga who, he leaves them all behind, and then Miranda comes to join him and then dies stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, he keeps telling her, stop screwing around and don't stop moving, and she kills a whole bunch of guys. She's like, look how awesome I am. Ha, ha, ha. Boom. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid broad. <laughs> yep. is, uh, is Will in the, uh, the manga? Will, uh, Will, the guy who ended up with uh, Susan Summers in the movie, it, um... Uh, where he, uh, you know, he, he has battle bike friends. I mean, I don't remember how important any of them were. Yeah, in, not uh, really. Yeah. Manga, not really very important. Um, you know, on the Ishtar side, we don't really have any named characters other than Donner. Donner. So yeah. that's a bit of a hit on on that part of the story that they're so one dimensional because he's just conqueror guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the Aphrodia side, you still got people like. Uh, that bald guy Sims, who uh, is developing these tactics of using the the Hound Squad to do hit and run attacks on the octopus tanks, mm-hmm. you still got Lieutenant Kurtz, who uh, is sort of a dick and is in charge of Hero. Interestingly, <laughs> uh, he's he's voiced by uh, Neo's pal, good old Shuichi Ikeda. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> and also interestingly, Donner is voiced by Kaneto Shiozawa, who is dead, but also did Makuve. Oh mm. no way! So you definitely got some Gundam connections there in the in the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurt Kurt's in the manga is not much of a dick at all. He's way he's, more of a, <laughs> of a dick in the in the anime. Yeah, <laughs> he's, well, he's a, a, he's a he's well-meaning just, dick in the anime. <laughs> he's just normal. He's just normal like commander guy in, in this in the manga, you know. But people don't like him in the manga for whatever reason. Like they just yeah. don't like. Him. Yeah, they don't. So. The thing about the movie, and I, I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, the climax is a little dumb. Yeah, going <laughs> the up whole the, thing yeah. of, uh, of Donner, he's in an octopus. He becomes obsessed with trying to kill Hero, and he moves his tank up this ramp to launch uh, space shuttles, and he starts shooting the top of the ramp with his tank. Wow. Which is just kind of a dumb idea, because then we see what happens. All of that debris comes raining down on you and crushes you and kills you. Exactly. <laughs> that was just really, really dumb that the commander of the Ishtar military would just, number one, be on the field, and two, become so obsessed with killing one grunt on a bike that he abandons all reason and sense of self-preservation just to try to kill this one guy who wounded his pride. It's, it's the one thing that always kind of got me about this movie was just kind of the dumbness of that it, it it's good up until there but it's just 
so so dumb and just so like you said I, anticlimactic it's like really but I, I think that's what helped me understand uh, anime from that point is usually um, it the the, the the uh, the endings are not very good, <laughs> you know. Anime has a great way of just cock teasing you all the way up to the end, and it's like, oh no. Let's anime just finish ending. it. Yeah, <laughs> anime ending. But um, yeah, it's just you know, okay, I, I can kind of go with the commander of the forces. Yeah, there's some guys that want to be out in the field. I can get that, but the fact that you're gonna go up a ramp. That goes ninety degrees up, and you're gonna take a ta- you're gonna take a take, and then you're a just giant gonna be- tank, giant take, and you're gonna be shooting your big heavy guns at the freaking, you know, at the the ramp. asphalt ramp, and just and as the first couple of pieces come down, you continually shoot even more so, <laughs> and on top of that, still not manage to kill your target. Yeah. Yeah, because he's off to the side. And it's like, what is this? (laughs) Just foolishness. (laughs) And and, and then what happens, you read the manga and you're like, oh, really? (laughs) This is how it could have been? Oh, damn. Yeah, I I was always bothered a bit by the ending of the anime that everything, you know, ends this way with Donner going down like such a chump and basically killing himself out of his own stupidity and rage. Then I read the manga. It's like, wow, it could have been like this. That's yeah. a disappointment. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and the, and one, one of the other things of note, though, when it comes to the movie is, um, you know, it's it's uh, you know 1989, so it's the the end of the the 80s. But it's one of those one, especially with a, a war movie. It's one of those ones that's very kind of violence free to a point. Like, there, okay, there is you know destruction, but. It's not gratuitous ultra violence that we were used to from the, um, you know, the '80s. We weren't seeing guys just like completely blowing up and seeing all their guts and stuff spill all over the place. It, it, you know, it's it's very kind of tame on that aspect. But you know, it was '89, so <laughs> <laughs> what could you do? Yeah, maybe, maybe the Japanese had enough of the ultra violence too. But uh, yeah, so Soul Pro. You're, or, I'm sorry, Chris. Any anything else on the movie before we move to Soul Bro? Definitely want to give mention to the soundtrack, which is pretty well done. It's by Joe Hisashi, who is probably best known for doing tons and tons of Ghibli movies, mainly Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. So got that good '80s feel to it. Didn't he also do uh, Mospita as well? Yes, he did. Yes, the, he did. That, the early part of his career. That's what it is. Peter was full of a bunch of uh, whippersnappers. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> when I listen to the score of this movie, it's like, wow, this kind of sounds familiar. And um, yeah, sure enough, as soon as you bring up Joe Hisashi, it's like, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. The, um, really good composer. I, I second that. But uh, I guess as for as for my opinion of the movie, uh, I thought uh, I I saw it years ago on Sci-Fi, many uh, off of many repeats. So it was it was pretty nice to go back and uh, watch it uh, remastered, and uh, seeing it, you know, brought up to uh, brought up to today's uh, uh, visuals. And um, <laughs> it, it is kind of a little bit jarring to see that those scenes where they superimpose animation over the uh, live the, action the live action footage, yeah. it, it kind of made me chuckle a bit. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, other than that, looking awkward, the rest of the animation looks gorgeous. Um, the hand-drawn explosions, the motions of the characters, and the movement of the vehicles, especially. I love the chase where heroes being chased throughout the city on the uh, monobike and uh, um, by the uh, by the by the police, and just the the trouble that he goes through. It's just so beautifully animated. 
and, and the roller derby um, parts at the beginning. Uh, Hero kind of reminds me of a uh, uh, a rollerball version of uh, Judo in the Junkyard Kids. <laughs> The way his him and his crew look like, um, and his friends have together. that judo and a junkyard kids feel to them. They, they've got that vibe, <laughs> and I, I like to call him Team Gary because <laughs> they have his name all over their clothes. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a fun movie. Uh, uh, you know, if you don't think about it, <laughs> and and how dumb uh, the, the in the dumb way that the villain goes at the end of the movie, it's it, it you can you can put that aside. Um, it, it's got some flaws, like like how the outcome is at the end, and how easily uh, Hero finds uh, Maggie at the end of the movie. But for the most part, it, it's it's something that you can easily sit through and um, and just get caught up in, especially with the conflict going on. Um, I, I like the fact that Hero is very stubborn on joining the military in this, and from what you guys say said in the manga. He's he's a bit more, I guess, willing to join the military because he's just looking for a change in life. But because of his uh, traumatic experience with seeing one of his friends, two of his friends die at the at the uh, at the showdown with the tank at the uh, the, the 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 battle ball field, uh, you know, he really doesn't want to have any part in warfare. And it's Kurtz that pretty much goads him into be, becoming a soldier in the military after Will gets killed. So um, it's good to see that transition in his character, and that he takes up the duty of uh, becoming part of the uh, the the forces, uh, the the rebel forces for uh, the Aphrodian army. Um, but I, I do like his characterization and that, and that he's not much of a dick compar- in comparison to his manga version. From what it, what you guys said, uh, if he's that much of a dick, I, I can't imagine that because he was such an asshole in the movie. Oh, he's supposed worse. That when you guys describe how much of a dick he is in the, in the manga, it's like, damn, he must be trying real hard to be a dick. <laughs> Let me you this way. In, in the manga, mm-hmm. uh, he's pretty much an asshole to anyone who's not named Maggie. Good Lord. And he was a dick to her in the anime, too. So. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, man. But he kind of went in the reverse that way. It's like mm-hmm. he, was, he was nicer to her in the manga at the beginning than he was in the anime. A little weird. Yeah. He just, yeah. he just he just seemed to be distant and antisocial in the anime, and he finally grew out of that when he stepped up to, to, to fight in the military later on when when he lost that challenge. Well, the manga but, puts much more focus on well, not much more, but a bit more focus on his background. Mm-hmm. The the movie touches on a bit that his parents are algae farmers. Oh yeah, and he talks about how he was running away from that life because it's stupid and it's just a vain, useless battle against. Um, the inevitability that Venus will become uninhabitable, and that's a that theme is much more present in the yeah. manga. And they talk about stuff like the uh, the oxygen purification plants, and you know all of these areas where they're trying to like create forests and try to terraform failing. the atmosphere. That plays a much bigger role in the manga. Oh wow! And, and failing, <laughs> and, and, failing. And, and failing, failure, big theme of uh, Venus Wars. But <laughs> overall, it, it's it's a it's a fun watch, and it's 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 you know me with the nostalgia glasses. I always uh, it doesn't, doesn't take me much to want to go back and watch an old movie. So, um, which you I, can do when it gets re released by Discotech. Oh, later this year. Well, awesome! I, I will definitely be I'll be lining up to buy that. Is it good, is it coming out here on Blu-ray? Ah, uh, no DVD, oh. but uh, it's a licensed rescue. Hey, you know what? That that's that's fine. I'm glad they got it, and I'd be glad to support it. Um, as as for a rating for Venus Wars, the uh, anime, I'd, I'd probably give it four stars, to be honest with you. I give it three and a half. Hey, there you go. Uh, Solid, I, but with a few issues that like up against it, especially now when compared to the manga. The manga, I probably will feel differently yeah. once I read it. And and I I think I'm probably in the same light as you too, because I I think I might have 
before I read the manga, I probably would have given it about a four, even though you have the kind of the ridiculous ending. Yeah. But after seeing what it could have been, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say three and a half. And um, I know, Chris, uh, we had did some comparisons. We were talking about the movie. Any other comparisons that you want to hit on before we uh, get out of here? Or I think we pretty much uh, okay. get all of the major ones covered. I mean, just recommend everyone yeah. read and watch them both to get the full experience. Yeah, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So, uh, Solbro, any other trips down nostalgia lane for you? <laughs> I'm good. I, I hope this, uh, if, if Discoteca is rescu- rescuing this, maybe they can rescue other um, old anime movies like uh, Lensman and Robot Carnival um, or, or, or get the license for those. I'd love to see those brought to the States, too. But I, I, it was fun watching this again. I the, the, whole, the whole sci-fi, have, have the sci-fi collection. <laughs> call, it, call, it, call it the sci-fi classics. There you go. <laughs> sci-fi channel classics. All right. Well, if uh, we don't have anything else to talk about Venus Wars, uh, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Goddamn at MHQ. What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my Charmander. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich (laughs) calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Check it out, Gundam Nation. One of our longtime listeners, Eric Keith, has a new project on the horizon that he needs your help on. On the call-in show, I at the end, I plugged a webcomic I'm going to be working on, or I actually am working on now, where I'm the writer, and a gentleman named... Uh, Michael is going to be the, the artist. Well, in this webcomic, it is going to be based on the Dreamcast Gundam game called 0079 Side Story Rise from the Ashes. If you've never heard of it before, it was a really awesome first-person Gundam simulator where you played a, a member of the MS Team White Dingoes in Australia near where the uh, initial colony that Xeon dropped had landed and where Xeon, of course, have took, taken over. And you lead a small ragtag team of, of MS pilots and you fight against Dom, Zaku's, a Gof shows up and uh, at the end you fight some ridiculously overpowered Xeon tank called the Rhino, which was designed before the thing from Igloo, MS Igloo. The comic is going to be based on that game, and what I'm going to be doing is getting a group of people together that are fans of what the comic is about, and stick them in the background, and have them be, you know, not main characters, like, you may not even have a speaking part, but what I want to do is I want to take 
you guys from the Facebook group and from Mecha Talk. And if you're interested, I'll have my email address uh, down below. Send me a, a headshot of yourself. And when we start working on the comic and releasing it in about a year, and you just might actually see yourself in the background. You heard right. If you'd like to be a character in the background of this new manga project, definitely head on over to youtube.com slash channel 609. That's literally channel S-I-X-O-N-I-N-E. And view the entire Rise from the Ashes video where Eric explains the whole concept. If you want to reach him by email, send him a message to erictkeith at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the artwork of the um, artist involved, Mike Fontecchio, visit his DeviantArt account at mr-hayami, H-A-Y-A-M-I, dot deviantart.com. We wish Eric and Mike the best of luck with this project, and we can't wait to see how it turns out. Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys later on. Bye. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Welcome back, gang, to Gundam at MAHQ. Um, in this episode, episode 97, we caught, got caught up on uh, Go- Gundam Age as we started the second generation with this new leading hero, Awesome. And he is you awesome. You mean Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you have a great Cartman there, sir. A great Cartman. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, indeed, we started off uh, the new generation of Gundam Age, and then we, uh, we took it back in time as we went ahead and... Um, reviewed the manga and the anime of Venus Wars uh, written and uh, and uh, illustrated by Yoshikazu Yasuhiro, uh, one of the uh, original illustrators, character illustrators of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam and some other series in the Gundam franchise. But uh, before we close out the episode, we're going to we're going to visit the the old uh, postmaster himself and dive into the mailbag. Chris, take it. All right, we're going to keep it a little short today because we had some technical issues that took up quite a bit of time before recording. So this week we're cutting out the voicemails, but please be sure to keep sending them in. You can call us at 305-792-8324 or 305-SWATFAG and keep it under four minutes. Let us know what show you're calling for and please try to be succinct and know what your question is before you call. So we're going to jump into the old mail, old style mailbag where you can drop questions off on the MechaTalk forum. Our first one comes from Saber. He says, I have a creative task for you gentlemen. Suppose that through some cosmic twist of fate, the three of you are put in charge of creating a new Super Robot Wars TV series. However, this time around, you get to include every mecha show you want. Gundam, Macross, whatever. How would you set this up? What series would you include and why? Which characters would you put together to form a group? Who would the bad guys be? 
Would it be wise to put Lelouch Vibratrania, Reinhard von Lohengram, Haman Karn, and Trace Kushimurata <laughs> on the same ship and hope they don't try to stab one another in the back? And most importantly, how would you name it? I have five words for you. Super Robot Wars, Crossroads, Counterattack. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't name it that. Oh, man. I, I might just, I might, I might head in that direction. Make Saji the main character. Hell yeah, man. Finally, finally become King Arthur, man. There you go. There you go. That's oh, okay, well, there's Sobro's wish right there. there okay, you Neo. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Moonlight Butterfly, turn eight kills all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I would like to see the greatest collection of schemers, so I would definitely like to see all those above-mentioned characters competing with each other. I'd like to see, um, you know, Double O and Code Geass mixing together, the unholy anime that both went evil in their second seasons and became horrible. Yeah, yeah, Reinhard, I'd be all over that. I'd like to see how he competes with Lelouch, Uh, give them a bunch of spaceships to fight each other. That would be pretty epic. Yeah. The two chess masters, huh? <laughs> yep. And how how Kirky guys would uh, interact with Suzaku, huh? Let's see how that that would play out. <laughs> I don't even want to know how that would play oh, out. Oh man, yeah, that's 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 yeah. fangirls' dreams come true, man. I, I, I'd like to see a bizarre. Situation. I'd like to see uh, Young Wenli in charge of Celestial Being. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Because he could be drinking buddies with Sumeragi. <laughs> God, all they do is drink. Yeah, they just both God. be drunk on the bridge the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. And next, he says, do you ever intend to do a spotlight on Zone of the Enders? If so, would that include the entire franchise or just the OVA and TV series? Yeah, we'll probably do that at some point. Uh, I like to talk about the games, but uh, probably wait until the HD collection comes out because I don't have those games anymore. And uh, Mm -hmm. I want to replay them in HD. So you guys be picking up that HD collection. But Zone of the Enders, I'd like to. I played. I I used to play the thir- the first game a lot. I never got the chance to play the second one though. Oh, so. you're missing out because yeah, the I heard, first I heard, game was pretty much a demo, yeah, a glorified it, demo. It, it certainly was. It wasn't that their excuse of packaging it with uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, Two uh, yeah, the, demo? And the uh, joke was that uh, Zone of the Enders was the bonus game you got when you purchased the Metal Gear Solid Two demo. <laughs> people people say that about Crackdown when it comes to uh, I, forget, I forget what game it came with. Um, some some game on the Xbox, but yeah, was it Gears? Yeah, Gears of War, yeah, Gears of War Two. It was the was the demo, and uh, Crackdown turned out to be a a pretty fun game that no one expected to be good. They just thought it was going to be cannon fodder for that demo. <laughs> That's pretty much the same thing with Zone of the Enders, except that the first Zone of the Enders was so short. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It and but the second runner is a full game. This is that's the game that the first one should have been. But anyway, yeah, we'll probably do it, but since that collection doesn't come out until later in the year, mm-hmm. uh, so too will our coverage. There you go. Then he says, what's your take on the various Code Geass mangas if you read any of them? In particular, how the mangas for Lelouch of the Rebellion and Suzaku the Counterattack completely omit nightmare frames from their story, the resulting changes and various other liberties those mangas took from the source material. Anything you thought was done better in the manga than in the anime? I read the first volume or so of the Lelouch one, yeah. which has no nightmares, and I just thought it was completely retarded yeah. because it was basically Lelouch running around, um, you know, fighting off the racist students of his school. Yeah, oh. it was, <laughs> huh. it was, it was wow. stupid. I mean, you always you always take mangas at face value because you know they're going to be sometimes there's going to be differences, but this one was just. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he became 
He became like um, you know. It felt like, it felt like Lelouch. I felt like I was reading Lelouch of the Animal House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it's not. Yeah, I, like I got oh, those 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 jockey prep, you know, Britannian students. Let's go deface the statue. Let's go show them what's what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always thought that the uh, the the mangas were were aimed at uh at I guess different audiences than the than the cartoon. Oh, sorry, the anime. The anime. Uh, would be aimed at like uh, I thought the mangas had more of a, a shoujo slant. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I, I I have yet to read them myself, so I, I can't really answer. Yeah, that I question. did not read all of that one. I didn't read any of the Suzaku or the Nanali or the Knights one or the Queen one. So after after reading after reading the Lelouch one, I was like, yeah, I'll just stick to the anime. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Nanali and Wonderland for me. Oh, <laughs> I need to watch that trailer, by the way. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a question from Philly Gundam fan. Hey, who says every year, hundreds of new animes are produced and each has its own unique look. As the years goes by, as the years go by, animation techniques change, improve and advance from the previous year. While the best animation from 20 years ago may not look as nice as its contemporaries today, there's still a quality and beauty to the style of yesterday. If you were able to have an anime, old or new, redrawn with the techniques and style using the production of another anime, what show would it be? I would love to see G Gundam redrawn with the same high dimension quality as Gundam Unicorn. Burning Finger would look even more badass. Thanks once again. Solbro. I, I would love to see some of the uh, a revisit to some of the older shows with uh you know if 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 it's just like a maybe an, an OVA or like some kind of uh um you know just a revisit back to those universes just to see them brought back up to date in uh with with up to date fluid animation or movie style animation would be kind of cool. We sometimes get that in some of the Gundam games when they show like cutscenes and um you know that you can see that's a higher grade of quality especially if it's a game that's of recent make but they've got anime cutscenes um with characters that were you know introduced maybe 20 years ago so you get to see them in kind of a new style of animation or, or what what, what style thing. what style is his question oh what style um yeah it's not not what style but what specifically yeah specifically uh I don't Come know. On, they, spit him out. <laughs> his uh, idea. Mr. Nostalgia. I'm sure oh. you must have a thousand things boiling up inside your head that you could mention. Well, um, let's see. Um, say with uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, if I was to go back there and bring it into a style that's more recent, I'd kind of like to see it more in a. You know what? I have a perverse. I I have a perverse uh, desire say to something. see it, to see it see it done in kind of a Disney esque style. Okay. As, as weird as that is, uh, I would like to see. That. I don't even want to know what that's about. Hey, Let's man. move on. Neo, <laughs> um, Mobile Suit Gundam in the Masamoto style. Anything done in Masamoto, all that stuff. Macross too. Just all do it that way because it's the best looking style. There you go. It that's would that. be uh, kind of nice to see the original Macross redone so that it has a completely uniform style. Oh, no knife fights. No knife. I don't know if you could do that. I don't know if you could do that knife <laughs> fight any better though. <laughs> The anime friend. Oh, <laughs> like to see classic. all characters on model in their Mickey Moto designs. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it'd be cool to see Orgus redone for for the modern era. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be nice to see SPT Lasner redone with uh, more convincing setup than 1996 <laughs> against the Soviets. Because <laughs> yeah. it's a little hard to swallow. That uh, that the Soviets and the Americans have uh, 
bases on Mars in 1996. Wow. I guess they were a bit bit more optimistic about the future. Yeah, given that it was only 11 years, uh, that's a little, little, little too optimistic. Man. (laughs) So I like to see that redone with modern animation, modern mecha designs, and be able to tell the complete story and not get canceled very abruptly. Oh, what about... um... What about a day on? I'd love to see, you know, little girls' heads getting blown off in new animation and <laughs> pregnant women getting shot in the face. So the uh, movie, the movie wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh no, I'm talking new animation now. Yeah, yeah. Uni- uh, unicorn style, man. Uh, unicorn style. I uh, mentioned this when we did Vipers Created. I'd certainly love to see Most Peter redone. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would be. Yeah, if anyone's listening on that, that would that would be the the stuff to watch right there. Yeah. And I had one more that I was thinking, oh, given that uh, its time has also now passed, I would love to see a modern rendition, so to speak, of Pat Labor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, since since, uh, since we passed the point where it takes place. 1999 has come and gone, and and we don't have uh, police robots, (laughs) aside from, like, little... Little little like bomb unit robots. I'd like to see it done in uh, the Ghost in the Shell uh, standalone complex style. To be honest, um, you know, set it further in the future and, and kind of put more, uh, even more depth into the in, in, into that world and, and expand it a bit. I, I think that would be kind of cool, especially that in would animation. Be, would be kind of neat because we got a bit of that with the third Pat Labor movie where mm-hmm. it was made in 2002 and set at around that time. Right. So we got to see. You know, modern technology, modern animation style, and Pat Labor looked great there. Ooh, yeah, I'd love to see a further extension of that. Well, I mean, do you, do you think there's a Bomb Squad guy out there that's got his little Bomb Squad robot called Alphonse? It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> it would not surprise me. It possibly could be. Right. All right, next we have Mobius Diablo who says, was listening to your older episodes when I heard Solbro seemingly shudder at the thought of character-focused songs sung by the voice actors a la Wing. I was just curious as to since then, have you heard any of these and are some of them actually good in your opinion? <laughs> I've heard all the, I've listened to all the Gundam Wing albums, so I've heard all of those character, um, all the character songs in those. Um, also, uh, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho has quite a bit too, and I'm not crazy about them to be honest. I'm not. I guess it's a thing in Japan that that was a, a big craze that a lot of people like, but uh, I'm personally not crazy about them. Some of the songs are good though. I can't think of one that's really catchy or one that really I, I really took to. But, um, but overall, just not a, a big fan of that. All right. Next, we have Mr. Bushido with uh, some rather interesting questions, all based around a theme here. He says, number one, given the sheer numbers of the elves and seeing how, as the Federation, were clearly fighting a losing battle, how many other full-sized armies from other Gundam series do you think it will take to even get at least an even fight? Given how that thing went, I don't think any any number of armies from every other alternate universe could have helped. No. <laughs> yeah, they were a little overpowering. Yeah. If and it then they're mm-hmm. endlessly replicating... Mm-hmm. giant space funnel things yeah it's that absorb your mobile suits so having even more would be even more benefit to them because then they could absorb even more and then morph into those things to attack you with yeah Chris, more more raw materials man what just talk what are y'all talking about all they all they would need is a mac and a computer virus man that's it oh that's right <laughs> and jeff goldblum oh yeah that's <laughs> right jeff, jeff goldblum and, and and will smith man talking shit god forbid <laughs> that the elves absorb strike freedom 
Oh, no. Oh, man. Spam for everyone. Or, or turn A. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Well, well, wait a second. If turn, if turn A did Moonlight Butterfly, they would all commit suicide then, wouldn't they? They would. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Number two. If Nina Purpleton was assimilated, would you think the elves would just spit her out or would they all become bitches to Chris's ultimate nightmare? I think they'd die. I, th- I think they wouldn't even absorb her because they know in advance that she's no good. It'd be, yeah. mutual, dis- it'd be mutual destruction. Yeah. <laughs> And lastly, he says, say if the elves were to cross over to the CE universe, do you think the Earth Alliance and Zaf would put aside their differences and fight the elves, or would they in typical CE style racism just attack each other, thus already dooming the CE universe? I think he answered your own question there. there you go, the former. <laughs> I mean, the, the latter. <laughs> yeah. Because you can imagine guys like Jibber be like, who cares about actual space monsters? We have to blow away all these filthy coordinators. Let me introduce my new super secret doomsday weapon. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Racism just, runs deep in that one. But it's still waiting for the space whale to show up. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the space whale would save them. I don't know. It could. It could. Oh, you never know. I'm, I'm sure we'll see that in the movie. Whales save the days in, in Star Trek Four. It could save the days in the, in the day in the season universe. It, maybe that's the theme. Maybe it'll be a Star Trek Four knockoff then the seed movie, whenever it comes. We just wrote it. <laughs> Probably be better than what they what they had thought. Oh. <laughs> All right. And next we have shitting on my new type who says. Hey there, Gundam crew. I've recently been doing a chronological UC roundup, i.e. watching the MSG Trilogy movies, followed by 8th MS Team, followed by 0080, etc., and I'm currently on Unicorn, the first to be adapted from a novel, I believe. My question is, just what makes, or what do you believe makes, an entry in a metaverse like Gundam part of the canon? Does it have to be animated? Does it have to be licensed by Bandai in this case? Is it just based on a general consensus by fans? What is it? Similarly, albeit linking to the first part of this question, who decides when something isn't part of the canon? In particular, I refer to G-Savior. Many people consider that non-canon whilst considering Unicorn canon. It would appear to me that it is based solely on the quality of the respective entry. What are your thoughts? Sorry for the long question. P.S. I'm not really looking forward to finishing the UC roundup as I know it awaits me (laughs) in UC 265 or whatever it is. All right. This answer is a partial cop-out. Go look up threads by mark simmons on mecha talk mm-hmm. called gun what gundam what's official yeah because this issue has been debated to death not just on mecha talk but on every freaking gundam forum there is of what's canon and what's not first of all canon that's a western term because it refers to religion mm-hmm. that that's not what they use in japan they use official what's official what's animated yeah end of story all yes, right. there are a lot of fans who like to say that something's not canon because they don't like it. You'll see lots of people complaining about Double Zeta and saying they don't consider it canon, but that's just because they don't like it, or saying that about Unicorn, or saying about whatever. In the end, who really cares? Yeah. Honestly, what what does this matter? <laughs> yeah, it really it's like, doesn't. It's like, look at any comic book universe oh, that is so structured like DC or Marvel. Who cares how many different versions there are of you know your Silver Age, your Golden Age, your Modern Age? Does it really matter? You read what you read, you watch what you watch, you like what you like, and you don't what you don't. Yeah. Here, and, here. And, and, the, and the timeline's not going to make it good or not. You know, it's just, it's how the story's done, so, yeah. Alright, next we have Yahtzee88 who says, What's up, Gundam crew? Got a few questions for you. One, I've noticed in some shows 
but the saying art imitates life can't be any more true. So my question to you guys is there is that are there any anime characters that you've noticed resemble people in real life or of those in other shows, even non-anime? The few examples I can think of are the mayor of the city in Tiger and Bunny, who I first thought was another Obama imitator in anime, but on closer inspection, he looks and acts more the wimpy Tom Dubois from the Boondocks. Another mm-hmm. example is Admiral Murkatz from Legend of Galactic Heroes, who greatly resembles actor Charles Bronson, which someone else had pointed out on the... LOGH episode on Mechatalk. P.S. Don't bother mentioning characters designed by Hisashi Hirai. Everyone looks like someone in those shows he's involved in. Well, there goes half our, half our things, right? Well, shoot. Um, I mean, lots of anime have characters who look like people in real life. Uh, one that sticks out to me is in Yakitate Japan, the, the bread-baking tournament show. Mm-hmm. There's some blonde guy who keeps showing up who does not at all match the character designs of anyone in this show and looks like exactly like Brad Pitt, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. And it's every shows up, he's always <laughs> And he's always smiling. <laughs> he's always smiling. He has the same expression on his face in every scene. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Um yeah, that that that's that's the first one that would come to my mind as well. Um there is a... Uh, what was it? Um, I know that uh, when they created Kenshiro for uh, uh, Fist of the North Star, they based him on Bruce Lee, um, and but much the, bulkier. But much bulkier, most definitely. And um, I, I kind of get that. Uh, I kind of get that impression, especially when he starts doing the yeah, da, 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 you know, all those all those chicken noises, man. It's like yeah, he's straight Bruce Lee, no doubt. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's another character that comes to mind for me. Um, any any characters for you, Neo? Well, you had. Uh, what was it? Space Obama and Double O. Yeah. The, uh, the, he doesn't really pres- look like Obama. He's just a black guy who's president. <laughs> but but that isn't every black guy that's president, President Obama? I, I don't know. Is Nelson Mandela? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to think off. off. I mean, there's, a, there's always, there's always going to be people that are similar, but there seems to be, I have to say, yeah, with Yakutate, he took that one. Also, that had great cameos, especially Michael Schumacher and his chin. Yes, thank you. (laughs) One thing I I will mention, though, and this is not exactly based on a real person, so to speak, Mm -hmm. unless you want to look at it this way. Uh, He Mm. was a real person. Uh, For some reason, Colonel Sanders pops up in a lot of anime. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Project Echo. He's he's Uh, a cultural icon. The Slayers. The Slayers. I mean, he is a cultural icon over there. um, They they love KFC in Japan, and you see Colonel Sanders pop up in a lot of anime. Chobits. Yeah, that's like, man, you 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 can take all day naming the shows he shows up in. (laughs) Well, I mean, he did exist. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of a... A care, an advertising character, but yeah, he was a real guy. So mm-hmm. there you go, Colonel Sanders, Harlan. <laughs> and the second part of his question: Since you guys, especially Neo, have mentioned Leiji Matsumoto and his works quite often, what is your opinion of Interstellar five 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 five? Or is that, <laughs> that one was... too many fives? No, no uh, four fives. to me, it's probably the best music video I've ever seen. But I would like to know your thoughts and opinion on it. Well. You, you answered your own question there. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, Absolutely. It's Leiji Matsumoto and it's Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Yeah. It is. It, 
Nothing else needs to be said about it. <laughs> I always, I always, Neo and I have always said this, but it is the greatest AMV ever made. And yes, to say, to say it's also the greatest music video ever made, I probably agree with you. I, I enjoy Interstellar five 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 five. Video, so, <laughs> greatest music video. Yeah, period. Uh, um, thriller. Thriller, uh, I know that people people do. It's epic. I mean, it's 20 minutes long if you watch well, the whole thing. Well, we're talking what's no- normally thought of as being the – yeah, I think yeah. I think thrillers – I think universally it's thought of as being the best. I know. I, people say that. I don't really – I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a great video, but uh, I, I enjoy Interstellar 555 five more. So um, well, what, makes that, yeah. what makes Interstellar even better is it's the whole album. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and it's the it's, whole album in sequence telling a story. How awesome is that? When I listen, fuck. When I listen, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the same. When I listen to Discovery, man, I just think of this. I think of this movie now. (laughs) You think of this movie when I pop in Discovery to my CD player, the images from this movie come to mind. So it's like I, I, it's not even that I can, I can separate it in my mind while I'm doing something. I always am reminded of Interstellar. Is this is this thing on Blu-ray? And and if not, why not? Because I I, want it. Same here. I don't think it's on Blu-ray. It's not because I had it it yesterday. (laughs) it, It was on DVD like a while ago. And I think they had like there was a double pack, I believe, of mm-hmm. the the album plus the DVD. Yeah, but yeah, it's there's nothing more you can really say about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's awesome. All right, uh, next. I haven't uh, seen it. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, you hate America. Our last questions come from Strike Zero, who uh, he offers us a. Uh, it's definitely not a Sophie's choice. It's probably more of a Hobson's choice. He says, if you had to choose, which would you prefer to see get produced? A Hollywood live-action Gundam movie or a revival of Doozy Bots? Oh, man. Well, it's more of a Hobson's choice because I don't, I won't, I don't really like either. <laughs> what, what Your choice is live-action Gundam movie by Hollywood or a revival of Doozy Bots. Well, I've already been thinking. I'm, I'm starting to, to, to warm to the idea of a live-action Gundam movie. Of course, directed by Sir Bay. And, and uh, starring Goof LaBeouf as Amaro Ray. Oh, boy. Oh, no. no. Uh, Ryan Gosling. The Admiral would Ryan be... Ryan Gosling? Uh, you know, you would have... Uh, Matthew McConaughey would be Slagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the girls, that's their Victoria's Secret models. That's that's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, who could be Gearin? Maybe what's... Um, Taylor Lautner. No, um, <laughs> oh, who's, who's the guy that goes real crazy with all his parts? Um, oh, he's, um, he always gets, Daniel Day-Lewis. He oh, yeah, do that. true. Yeah. Well, who would you say the Admiral would be? No, General Revel would be oh, the Admiral. Oh, played by the Admiral? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Bright. Mm-hmm. Who, who would have Bright? Who would, who would be a good Bright? have to be a British guy because he was supposed to be British in the story, right? So who would be a cool British guy? Oh, man, Daniel Pierce. Craig. No, man, Pierce Bronson a few years ago. Here's Brother is Irish. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, don't shit. insult him. I mean, he's a, he's a citizen of the United Kingdom. You bigoted <laughs> bastard! <laughs> Try telling him that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then, tell, uh, tell Sean Connery he's English. I sit corrected. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I more. As horrible as it would probably be, I'd have to lean towards the the live action movie. Yes, yeah, just here. because of doozy bots is. It's just important. <laughs> he says in his second part also my brother had a question for you guys he listens to the show too 
Mm-hmm. Well, then why doesn't he ask the question and making you do his work for him? Yeah. <laughs> <a> lazy bastard. <laughs> Have any of you ever played the PS2 game MS Saga Anudan? And if so, what are your thoughts on the game? I have not. I owned it. Um, I thought it was uh, it was a cool concept, but the story wasn't all that good. Um, it, it <laughs> didn't really hold my interest for that long. Um, I bought it when it came out, right when it came out in the, in the mid two thousands, and I love the customization of the of the of the mobile suits when you could beat enemies and get parts, and you can put together suits, and then and almost in any fashion that you wanted to, you can make a Frankenstein of, of Gundams if you wanted to. But um, the, the concept was fun. It just in execution, it didn't it didn't work out all that well. All right. Well, I guess that's that's a wrap for us then on the mailbag, and uh, we'll have more questions next time, both uh, text and voicemail related. Hey, Chris, I do have breaking news. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm on Amazon, and there are there is a Blu-ray of Interstellar five five five. Well, I, I need to put that on my shopping list right away. And there's only four left in stock, Ooh, but there's more on the way. There's more on the way though, so it does exist. So I must add this to cart. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to be a bro, you could go through the MAHQ affiliate link on Amazon first. Oh, I could oh, do that. Just to help a brother out, you know. They... <laughs> and you all could do that, you, the listener. You could click on some link on MAHQ, even if it's not something that you want to buy, but just because it's our affiliate link, so that way we get a little, little credit for it and, you know, give us, a little, give us some cash. A little help bit us of, out. A little bit of palm greasing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, awesome, awesome. Uh, any uh, any uh, any last words, gentlemen, at all? By American. By uh, all right. By robots. <laughs> well, no shout outs today. Um, if anything, shout outs just to the listeners and and everybody who supported us show, our show so far. And um, always remember to, to to peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M A H Q dot net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche. And our favorite pedal bear south, Pedro Cortez. And that's it for Gundam at MAHQ episode 97. We'll see you guys next time.
Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. I'm sorry, did you mean a haircut? How do I play London Calling? Whole lot of love? A B minor ninth. I found this for you. Add migrant headache to my list of band names. Yuck. Tell Julie and Kate our band is playing at the garage tonight. The garage. Please tell me that's the name of a club. Oh God. Call me Rock God. Cute. Your band sucks, okay?